0: Welcome to the Digging
1: Deep ATVMX Podcast with your host, Cody Jansen.
0: everybody i'm your host cody jansen and welcome to a legendary episode of the digging deep atv mx podcast episode 25 presented by cst tires 25 is significant as many of you know that's my career number so it's only right that we do something special for this episode how about by welcoming on the winningest rider in atv racing history to our podcast eight-time champ gary denton so stoked about that It's also fitting that we eclipsed 1 million total downloads heading into our 25th episode. We'll never forget that. You guys absolutely rock. We say it every week, and I'll say it again. It continues to be an unprecedented and crazy time in the world right now. The COVID 19 pandemic has caused plenty of stress and uncertainty in our lives. Our hope is to offer you some positivity and distraction amid the current climate of the COVID 19 pandemic. If you're a regular listener, you know we've been preaching optimism here at the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, and now that optimism has turned into clarity. We are officially going racing. A plan is in place for the ATV Motocross Nationals to begin in Georgia at Aonia Pass MX on May 23rd and 24th. This event was previously scheduled for Ironman, so mark that down as it's just over two weeks away. We'll see you down in Georgia. Next week on the podcast, we'll get you up to speed heading into the resumption of the ATV MX season. Awesome news there. Cannot wait to go racing. You guys know the drill, we'll get right into our featured guest, but first, let's thank all the incredible sponsors that make this show possible. Thanks to our title sponsor, CST Tires, csttires.com. The Pulse MXR tire is the best tire on the market no matter what the terrain. Join the CST takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did. CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. Thank you to Motorsports Powerhouse and show sponsor, Yamaha. We are proud to be partnered with the winningest manufacturer of the past decade in HV Motocross, and the number one OEM supporter of ATV racing. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is Team Blue Crew. Thank you, Yamaha. Check them out at yamahaoutdoors.com. Thanks to another member of Racing Royalty and longtime sponsor of my personal racing efforts, Valvoline. For over 150 years, Valvoline has been dedicated to innovating and improving your driving and riding experience. The world's oldest oil company still leads the charge with unrivaled products and lubricants. Thanks to Team Valvoline for coming on board. Thank you to SSI Decals. SSI Decals was a key contributor to Team USA's winning efforts at the Quad Cross of Nations, Joel Hattrick's 2019 Pro Title, my national championship last season, as well as Chad Wiening's program that tasted victory in Daytona. Simply put, SSI Decals is the choice of champions everywhere. Their track record speaks for itself. Champions choose SSI Decals for unmatched look and quality. Thanks to those guys. Check them out today at SSIDecals.com. It's an absolute honor to be partnered with Wienan Motorsports. We all know him as one of the toughest competitors in ATV motocross, and Chad Wienan has built a great business within the industry as well. The same products he handpicked to help him win six AMA ATV Pro National Championships are also available to you through Wienan Motorsports. Simply put, he races what he sells. So head over to wienanmotorsports.com to see everything they have to offer and use promo code DIG DEEP to save at checkout. Thanks to Chad Weenan and Weenan Motorsports for further legitimizing everything we're doing here at Digging Deep. It's an absolute honor. Thank you to DID Racing Chain and the 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. Team USA, Joel Hetrick, and myself trusted DID's unrivaled chain quality all the way to championship victory this past season. Wherever you go, go with DID. We are proud to be partnered with Gript Gloves. Gript is an ATV rider-owned and operated brand with the rider in mind and keeping costs affordable the goal. This Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity with eccentric colorways and crazy patterns, something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Gript is driven to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. Get a grip on life, check them out today at griptgloves.com. That's G-R-I-P-T-Gloves.com. And use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save. Thank you, Namira Technologies. Namira, pistons with an attitude. Namira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side markets since 2001 with their wide array of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits. Visit your local dealer or online at namira.com. That's n-a-m ura.com Also a big thanks to Bronco ATV and UTV components. Bronco has been the industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. Whether it's electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, suspension parts or bearing kits, Bronco is your hard part source when it comes to whatever you need for whatever you ride. BroncoATV.com Thanks to Forworks Carbon for their continued support, known for their hoods seat covers, array of carbon parts and so much more, 4 is your one stop shop to give your ATV a new and improved look with increased function for 2020. New year, new look with 4Works Carbon. Head over to their social media pages or website today thanks to 4Works Carbon. Thanks as always to Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. Upgrade to Evans now to avoid overheating and boil over next time you hit the track. When conditions are at their worst, Evans is at its best. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 to save at checkout, evanscoolant.com. Thanks to DP Brakes, the unquestioned leader in motorsports and power sports braking. DP is the brand responsible for allowing Joel Hedrick, myself, and so many others to outbreak the competition every time we hit the racetrack. It's not too late to join the team, so act fast. www.dp brakes.com. Thanks to Blender's Eyewear, whose life and forward motion brand is the perfect fit to partner with our podcast. You won't find better shades for a more attractive price anywhere else. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 to save on the trendiest shades on the market. BlenderSeyewear.com Thanks to Oats Overnight. Life is hard. Make breakfast easy. Simply combine with milk before bed and enjoy your 2 go breakfast in the morning. Overnight oatmeal loaded with superfoods perfect for athletes. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. OatsOvernight.com Thanks to Mountaineer Brand. If you know me, you know I love my beard. That's why I treat it right with Mountaineer Brand's all natural washes, oils, balms, and more. Use discount code Cody's Fave in all caps. That's C O D Y S F A V, Cody's Fave, at Mountaineerbrand.com. Thanks to Avocado Green Mattresses. We all know that sleep and rest are an important part of any athlete's routine. Avocado's line of natural mattresses provides exactly the support you need to ensure you perform at the best while doing the best for the planet. The Avocado Mattress offers zone back support with an internal support unit, meaning whether you're recovering from a hard day of riding or relaxing on a Sunday morning, you will be experiencing next level comfort. With a 100 night sleep trial, free shipping, and return pickups, and a 25 year warranty, getting your Avocado Green Mattress could not be any easier. Step up your sleep game by visiting avocadomattress.com. We are also proud to be partnered with Factory 43. Factory 43 was born in 2007, making Nerf bars for the Suzuki LTR, Honda TRX450R, and Yamaha's YFZ450. The brand soon added bumpers and grab bars and now having had parts available for all sports quads for years. The racer-owned company strives to offer a quality product that installs easy, looks good, and holds up over time. For 2020, Factory 43 is the aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing Honda team, providing riders like Joel Hetrick, Jeffrey Ristrelli, Chris Boric, and Grayson Eller with the motocross and cross country versions of their Evo Nerf Barn MX style bumpers. Head over to Factory43ATV.com to see their full line of products. Thanks to Factory 43 for coming on board. We are also proud to announce our newest show sponsor, Bike Strikes and Quads, LLC. Celebrating their 10-year anniversary this month, the company was started by former racers selling three-wheeler parts out of a barn in upstate New York. Through hard work, accompanied by offering great service to their customers, BTQ LLC now has over 40,000 new and used parts in stock. But they haven't forgotten their roots, still offering used OEM parts for three-wheelers, dirt bikes, ATVs, and side-by-sides. Parts are in stock and ready to ship with delivery within three days, including free shipping on orders over $50. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for $10 off orders of $50 or more. We're grateful to have Bike Strikes and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Support our industry's small businesses during this difficult time. Thank you to BTQ LLC. And finally, you know what's coming. We are proud of our partnership with Roman Health. On average, how many days would you guess that the average American has to wait to see a doctor? The average is 29 days. Americans are forced to wait 29 days on average to see a doctor in major US cities. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform to connect you with a licensed doctor in your state From the comfort of your own home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy will ship your medication to you for free with two-day shipping at no cost to you. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. There are no commitments, and you can cancel any time with Roman. So if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com slash digging for your free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash digging for your free online visit and free two-day shipping. From our new partners to our original sponsors, thanks for supporting the number one podcast in ATV Racing and for making this dream a reality for both us and our listeners. We pride ourselves in partnering with only the best brands inside and outside of the industry so better your riding experience and your lifestyle by supporting the sponsors who support us. If you enjoy the show, the best thing you can do is support our partners. And if you're interested in becoming a partner of the show, shoot me a message or email today for more details. We are running a special partnership rate to assist small businesses during these tough times, so now is the time to get on board at a cheaper rate to keep your brand relevant during this downtime. Message or email us today. Once again, thanks to all of our sponsors. Gary Denton is like Led Zeppelin. Everyone knows Stairway to Heaven, but the older generation knows the words to every single one of their songs. Every ATV Racing fan knows the name Gary Denton, but that may be all that the younger generation knows about the eight-time champ. Well, everyone who was around in the 80s and 90s has a story to tell about him. No matter where you fall on the spectrum, this one is for you. This is the Gary Denton story. Enjoy. And now, brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain, it's an honor to be joined by the winningest rider in professional ATV racing, eight-time champ, Gary Denton. It's a pleasure to have you, sir. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Cody. Glad
2: to be a part of your, be a guest on your show. Be a part of it.
0: Man, now, I'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't start by commenting on the state of the world right now. I hope that you and those closest to you are, are safe and healthy during these strange times. I'm hopeful of that.
2: Well, yes, we are. Our, our family is all good, and we're we're trying to do the best we can to do our part. And uh, they are. It is odd. It's like Twilight Zone.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, But great to hear. Great, great to hear that everything is uh, is good on the home front for you. Same here. So uh, definitely, definitely we're grateful for that. Um, so Gary, I have to say this is a dream come true for me because I've been wanting to get you on the show since we first started this podcast. The individuals who are old enough to remember your reign of dominance are still enamored by you to this day. But no matter your age, if you're a fan of ATV racing, you know that Gary Denton was an eight-time champ. But that's probably all that my younger listeners know about you. So point being, everybody wants to hear from you. I know you've got a great story to tell. I'm excited to kind of sit back, hear about your racing career, and, and I guess learn more about Gary Denton. So it's just, uh, again, it's just an honor to have you, and I, I can't wait for, for what's ahead here.
2: Sure, no problem at all. I mean, obviously my career – didn't start out in ATV racing. It started out in motocross, and I started riding at the early age of 14. And um, well, probably riding before then, 12 or so. Racing at 14, almost 15, and within a year and a half, I was a pro. And I live in Southern California, and it was the hotbed of motocross racing. So every weekend, you'd line up against the best guys. Uh, when I got, once I get into the pro class, and uh, within a year and a half, I was there. And uh, you know, you're racing against guys like Brock Glover, Bob Hanna. Uh, I mean, the list goes on it, it, the best in the world, Marty Smith, uh, God bless Marty, uh, thoughts for him and Nancy that just passed. I don't know if you've heard that, but yes, uh, yes, of crashed. course. It's just awful. I just talked to Marty two months ago at a Carlsbad reunion. He was very well grounded. Uh, he was very happy. He had just finally retired and him and his wife just wanted to take the buggy out and hang out with the grandkids and go camping and RVing. And I'm a big RV guy. So him and I talked for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. So God bless him and Nancy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, it's terrible but uh I guess it, it's the the one thing that we can take away from it is that uh you know, we got to live our lives to the fullest just like he did and be grateful yes. for the days that we do have here. So uh, and, and he was doing what he what he loved to do just like any of us would would want to uh do until the very end. So um
2: Absol- Absolutely. He was pumped. I mean, he he was excited about the future of, of our being and and cruising in the buggy. So I'm sure he's up in heaven doing that now. Yeah. But, but back to the story at hand, we, uh, you know, I raced motocross, so it was tough. I mean, you lined up against Brock Glover, you lined up against whoever, and these guys are multi-time champ, you know, time champions now, but yeah, back in the day, it was, there were kids coming up also, and, and yeah. so bang to bars with a lot of those guys.
0: Right, I mean, that's the, that's the crazy part that you want people to wrap their head around, is you are in, like you said, the hotbed for motocross at the time, and still to this day, but, um, so it's not like, you know, you're you know, racing pro at a young age, you know, in, in some other place, like you're racing at where you're forced to race against the cream of the crop, which is crazy. So, um, so you told us how fast it happened, so I guess take us through those early days of your your professional you know motorcycle career because you I know you had some highlights you know some top fives I think what was a one top five you know um, like 13, yes. 13 or something top tens but you in in previous conversations between you and I you hinted that the stats don't tell the whole story there either no they don't here here's the thing.
2: In the in the '70s, the bikes were a little bit different, and closer. In the '80s, they were not. They were more pronounced, meaning that there were bikes were really light. They're 160, 170 pounds, and uh, they were five to seven seconds a lap faster than a production-based bike. They just were. A, I mean, take a 170-pound bike, and 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 I'm racing a 215-pound bike. That's a big difference. And oh, yeah. so just quite a bit of horsepower, just in weight factor, let alone whipping around and in, in suspension, but going back a little bit I, I turned pro in a year and a half first pro race i won a moto the night racing was at its height and i'll kind of try to brace through this because when we talk about atvs and stuff
0: and no but, no uh, but, this is this is part of the story so this is good okay
2: okay well and so i go out and you know i'm racing against mike bell that, that was there that night racing irwindale legendary night racing and night racing we could in california we race five days a week you know race wednesday thursday friday saturday sunday of course so yeah. the racing racing was crazy and, um, so anyway, first pro race, I, the first moto I'm in third and I could have got a third, but I, the extra lap, you know, I went off the track thinking it was checkered flag. So I got like a 12th, <laughs> the next moto I win and the third moto I'm, I'm battling for the whole shot and I crashed over this jump. There was a big rut at the peak of the jump and made a little mistake, hit it and, and it pitched me sideways and guys landed on me and, you know, pretty much half the pack, there was 23 guys or something like that. Woke up nameless, broke my hip, uh, bruised my spleen and, uh, I got, you know, I was anemic. So it took me, I don't know, quite a while to get back to health. And back then, they didn't have the medical that they, you know, uh, basically the technology. So it took me a while to get back to, uh, you know, proper health, meaning I was racing probably two months later. But uh, I won a pro race a few months later and had to really learn how to train and ride uh, or train and condition to be able to ride that motorcycle. So then we we fast forward, we get to 78. I'm winning everything local. I go back east to last nationals and man i introduced myself to humidity and humidity was like wow i mean i i i got a second in the heat and the first model came i came from 12th to 6th and i was really fast at that time okay and uh and i'm up sixth place and i just start to fade i i didn't know what was going on I, i i didn't know what it was and i was in the you know in the condition of my life yet it wasn't adjusted to humidity Sure. So, Cause you're which, you're
0: used to that dry heat out there. Yeah. Yeah. We were in
2: St. Joe, Missouri.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's the area of the country. That's very, very humid.
2: Yeah. So, so anyway, I come back and I get, I just pull off the track and my buddies were wrenching on Jim Harris, friend of mine. And he says, what happened? I, it was, what's wrong? And I go, it's season. He starts to work on the bike. I couldn't admit that I, I, I couldn't even finish the race. And he comes, I go, Jim, come here. Come here. And he comes back. I didn't want anybody to know. I was embarrassed. And I go, Hey, I don't know what's wrong. I about passed out, and then we started looking around, and a lot of the works riders had to go to the hospital. It was that humid and that hot. Nobody was used to that, but uh, that's okay. I learned from there. The next weekend, I, I think we raced two weekends later, and I got a sixth at uh, Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. They had a, a race there, and okay. that was pretty darn good against the best in the world, or in the nation anyway, probably the world at that time. And then, yep. uh, then the I think another week and a half or so, we went to. We went to St. Pete, and I had the first Moto 1 by, I don't know, 30, 40 seconds, near 40 seconds, three and, oh, and a half right. laps ago. And the, the, I rode a Suzuki, and the mainsail leaked, and, and it uh, fried the rod. I was so disgusted, I didn't ride the second Moto. But it got me an LOP ride, so the next year I rode Yamahas. And I could have okay. got a factory ride that year, but uh, the bike broke. So I went back and rode the last half of the Nationals, rode the first half, hated the bikes, just didn't like them. They didn't, they didn't agree with me. And I was a Suzuki guy, more than the Yamaha guy at the time. And yep. Lorenz of LOP racing he Said, "Hey, I've got some cool parts." And he gave me some better stuff. And we went back there in the first race. I was out of shape and didn't do very well, twentieth or something. Second race, uh, I was uh, I was battling in the top five with Barnett and you know Maren Wardy and all those guys. And but I got a flat tire. They had this huge jump, and and then the second moto, uh, it broke the wheel at same jump. So you know i don't know if the mechanic was doing his job but that happens and so the i've used later in life i surrounded myself with better people but anyway <laughs> it doesn't make the guy a bad person just not a great mechanic
0: right but, right right
2: but 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 so then we went to binghamton new york and uh i broke a chain the first lap another mechanical which shouldn't happen uh and second moto i worked my way up from six or 7th all the way to third or fourth and the chain fell off. The tensioner was too loose. It wasn't even bolted on right. The oh, last race, the bikes stayed together, and I think I got fourth overall at St. Pete, uh, oh, St. Pete God. in the sand. So I, I could have. And the, Richie Kuhn and Ron Son got back to rides, and I was beating those guys at that time. So I could have go to works. So they both kind of worked harder rides. So okay. Uh, but and, and now what I'm going to go in and get into is you know talking about works bikes later. So so that's '79, and then '80 I broke my wrist. Navicular was out six months. I broke my. Um, shoulder, had had have it operated on. So I was out another three months. So I'm pretty much a throwaway year in 1980. I didn't write any nationals other than okay. maybe one.
0: Okay. So so, so, so do you, uh, do you ever, before you even go on any further, do you ever think like if things would have just been a little different and some of these, you know, some of these fluke, crazy mechanicals and all this stuff, I mean, think about your whole career path could have been different. I'm I'm sure.
2: Yes. No, it could have been, but but you know, things happen for reason. reason, you know, the man above, you know, oh, he's course. got planned for us all,
0: right? So right, but, right, right. No, I don't I, think I, I don't think you'd change anything. No, but it's I just it is crazy how it's like the, the stars may have aligned. What's that saying? Where you um, you never know what what he's got planned for you, right? So no. as you're going through this, it's got to be like, man, I can't catch a break. But there was there was a there was a gold mag or whatever out well, there. Well, if
2: I if, if I backtrack a little bit, the night racing was really premium goal for me. So I did. CMC had, I mean, they would have six hundred riders on a weekend or a weeknight or something. You know, it was crazy. So, but the night racing was big. Okay. And you could make one hundred and fifty bucks on a Friday night, which you know you're going in the seventies. That's big money. It's probably like making about two or three grand. on the, Exactly. You know, in these yeah. times. So, so. Uh, I won the night nationals in 1976 and I, I beat the field by probably quarter of a lap as some of the best in, in the country, you know? So I okay. was happy with that. You know, that was my first big goal. Sure. And then yeah. it was outdoors was the next goal. And of course, 78 almost won a national. And then, you know, I had some, you know, bike issues and then I, and then I got hurt in 80 and, and then 81 came. So now I'm 81. Now I've got back on Suzuki's and uh, I'm healed up and I just want to finish. So I ride the nationals and, um, I'm racing with, there's like that year, there's 12 works bikes, 12 factory okay. works bikes. Now, okay. people don't really, at that point in time, works bikes were, like I said, they were in that five to seven second a lap range. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, because George Holland and Scotty Burnworth, I could, I could beat them on a production-based bike at Carlsbad or at Saddleback, not always, but we'd bang bars and, and switch motos, that kind of thing. And then two or three weeks later, they'd be on a full works bike. I would never see them again. So tell,
0: so tell, fact. yeah so tell um you know i'm a, a diehard dirt bike follower but tell okay. my ATV listeners what a works okay. bike is because it's basically okay. like handmade hand built for uh, uh, you
2: well i'm racing on a bike that weighs um, 210 215 they're racing a bike that weighs 160 170 the suspension is handles like i, I can't imagine i mean they were playing with You know, Back then, we probably had 8 or 10 inches suspension. They got 14 or 15. I don't know, but uh, they were playing with all kinds of crazy stuff. The power on the bike is so phenomenal. I I mean, I could hole shot in three. I remember hole shot at Carlsbad one time, and like three or four turns later, Barnett goes by on one side, and and Holland goes by on the other, works with Zookies, and they blow by me like I went in the corner slow or something, and I did not. You know, when right. was perfect, I went in perfect. I wasn't tired. I was, you know, I was good. We were riding 45-minute motos back then. Those were yeah, when, I know. when men, were, <laughs> men were men. I mean, come on Right, 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 right. So, right. so you kind of get an idea. And, and that year, to give you an idea, Rick Johnson, you know, was, that was his rookie year. But he's on a, on a works bike of some sort. They say it's production, but it has all this work stuff all over it. And, yeah. and the guy that finishes his actually top, produ- uh, top uh, production bike was, uh, privateer was Magoo.
1: So Danny oh, yeah. gets
2: Danny gets ninth. I get tenth. Oh, Danny wow. goes on works Honda's the next year and kills everybody. Now I'm not telling you as fast as Danny, but 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 the fact was I was right there with him. So
0: and the uh, fact the fact was is that you were kind of always doing it with a little bit of the deck stacked against you you know, you're always, you were always kind of like that, that top guy who wasn't on that works equipment. So I wanted to make sure that the, that the listener knows what you're saying, because I mean, I've heard it said that uh, those works bikes are sometimes almost to the, to the, to the, you know, the viewer, it's like a, it's almost unrecognizable to the production bike it's based off of, right? So, I mean, I just wanted them to know it, it, how well big the difference.
2: Well, they need to understand they've outlawed that. So, it had to be production frames and all yes. that stuff. They had so many special parts on these bikes. They were all handmade. And so, you know, it, it was a different time. Now, to go back, to be fair, to Danny, you know, Magoo. Magoo, got, he was riding a RM125 like I was, 1981 RM125. So, it's production-based. We had the same motor builder, suspension guy, which was Paul Thede at Race Tech. Paul's a friend of mine. Yes, okay. They were, yeah. So Paul built a really bitchin' bike for us and Danny won the same thing and Danny was just faster. But but like I said, I you know, when you go and look at it, Danny went on and waxed the world. I mean, he won designations and you know, MX designations and trophy designations. He won all four motos. First time ever and only time ever done.
0: I was just so, gonna say, you're talking about legends. You're not talking yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean yeah, the yeah, biggest yeah, names yeah. in the sport.
2: Yeah, so so I, I'm happy but it's hard to go out and get eighth ninth tenth when you know you're winning local races and you line up with all these 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 i don't know these monsters the riders are incredible but the machines are even more incredible in some cases so
0: right, you, sure. you know
2: when you look at it but or just as or more however you want to state it but then the next year i get uh i get seventh i get top rider tier and 125 nationals that's 1982 and uh, i guess you get six that's bob Hanna. Oh, wow. And Bob goes and gets some work on Works Hondas the next year and wins everything. The only reason why I didn't win titles, he got hurt. But Bob was just phenomenal fast. So, you know, the Yamaha's weren't good as good as the Hondas, but they were better than my production Suzuki, you know. And, and, and Bob, I'm once again, not saying I'm as fast as Bob. He's a stud. But I was right there. You got six, I got seven. You, know? you, so had, here you,
0: to, go. you had to just feel like you were always on the cusp of getting one of those opportunities, though.
2: I was close and you know what? I I won a lot of races, but, uh, they, they just weren't national.
0: Yeah. Well, that's like you said, I think, uh, you know, the, there's always a, there's always a plan. So, uh, it it all worked out. So, so let's, let's keep that progression going. Then what year are we up to now? 83? So,
2: so, so we're 83. I get calls and I get offered bikes and parts, 80, 82. I got monies and I got bikes and parts from Suzuki. They're really good to me. Okay. And, uh, and then, you know, Mitch Payton offers me a pro circuit ride. And, and I, lo- I love Mitch. Mitch's a good guy. I just got to talk to him this year at the Supercross. But okay. uh, the reality, we're buddies. But the reality is, is, I don't even know how he did it. I mean, he had those Huskies. They were like 180s. And, you know, Mitch made a business out of it. I mean, think about it. He transcended from that to what he does today, pro circuits. You know, one of the legendary, you know, performance shops. Sure so is. Yeah. good for him. But, but back then, I mean, he offered me 35 bucks a week and, and to ride a, a bike that was subpar. I just couldn't do it to myself you know yeah. and so uh i wrote it and i go, no, it was nothing against mitch i like mitch but people yes uh, you're
0: you're on something because people in the know um have i've heard it said that they can't believe that that program back then on subpar <laughs> bikes turned into the the pro circuit kawasaki that you think of now that's like the standard
2: well it's a tribute to mitch i mean you know him and i talked about how small this we were just talking about this this year It's this just cool okay one. I said, I'm proud of you. I mean, you, and he moved from Anaheim out to Corona where there, you know, it was, it it was quite a ways away at the time. It's not now. It's pretty close to here Chino where I live. Uh, And there wasn't anything out There was boonies and, and it's premium property now, you know, and he owns two big, large, you know, shops, tilt ups and God bless him.
0: you know. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Cool
2: story. Cool story.
0: Yeah. Very cool. So so you so now it's got an 80, offer. So now
2: it's so it's eighty three. I get that offer. And then I get another offer from Kawasaki, and I can't remember the manager when the guys are there. I have a lot of good friends at Cali, but it was some knucklehead that worked there, and he said he got really mad at me because he wanted to give me bikes and parts, and if I performed, if I performed, now listen to this one, I'll, then I'll give you money. And I said, I'm not a maybe f rider, you know. What are you talking about? You know, <laughs> right? can't like, yeah. Wanted to go to the assholes and with nothing, and so so usually when you get a top privateer ride you go on to work spikes. you know like magoo did in in you know in 81 and that's and the I progression did, I did,
1: yeah
2: that's generally it but i was 24 at the time and they were hiring other riders i i think they hired ricky ryan and and i laughed ricky in a lot of those events and ricky did win daytona he you know he went in the mud and he was a good rider but okay. I, at the time i was quite a bit faster i thought but they hired a rider that's just what suzuki's position was so Okay. So uh, things happen. I don't hold it, you know, it's just the way it is. It's just telling it, you know, how it is. But Of course, yeah. The, and it's fine. But then I, I just decided I'm not going on the Nationals. I'm trying. I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to go hang out, ride local races. I'll have to find something to do for work because this is not working. And even after riding the Nationals, I had about seven or eight grand in the bank, which is the most money I had ever. But, but it went on to a works ride, all, you know, no harm, no foul, cool, right? Yep. But I wanted to go make money. And so Paul Theed gave me a, a job working for him, uh, taking apart and put together shocks at, at, at Race Tech and Paul's a good friend and he had he had done my motors, all my stuff. And so I was working for him and riding arena crosses. I'd go up to Canada and win those things and it okay. was kinda cool. And you know, in, in racing to get some really good guys and having fun. So that was cool. Arena Cross was in the, in the beginning then. So We did that, and then, uh, so that's, so that was 83, I I rode local, 84 was riding local, and in 85, I get this phone call from a gentleman by the name of Harry Clem, and Harry Clem did all the DG motors and all the stuff there, and he had, and Harry's a, uh, you know, a a legendary motor builder, he did rec state and stuff back on the CZ days and all that going way back, and USGP bikes, and so... Harry calls me up. And he's an old friend. He says, "Hey, I'm looking for David Taylor, which is a, another national motocross buddy of mine that was really successful in the nationals, top privateer stuff like that." And he goes, "I'm looking." And I go, "Really?" He goes, you got his number?" I go, "Yeah." I go, "What's up?" He goes, "Well, I need somebody. I got these quad racers, and I need somebody to get on one and hole shot. I need a guy that could hole shot these things." He goes, "Well, wait a minute. You know how to start?" I go, "Yeah." He goes, "You think you can ride one?" I go, "I don't know." He goes, "Well, why don't you meet me? Why don't we get together?" So by chance, I. I hook up with Harry Clem and I would never ridden one. I had heard a little bit about him. And so this is 85. So we go out. I want to say it's about the middle and uh, we ride these things and we go to, we go to Corona Raceway, like, I don't know, maybe that night. I don't know. Maybe I rode that thing that morning and that, I'm going to race that night. And we go out there and you wouldn't believe it. There's like 600, maybe 500 riders on three wheelers predominantly okay four wheelers because brand new four wheelers are exactly our quads are brand new so they're all three wheelers I'm just blown away because I didn't know anything about it went out there I used to have a bounty on myself I had bounties on me in motocross days at Irwindale for to beat me in the 125 class 50 bucks same thing at Irwin at at Corolla so so you know in my motorcycle days with you know to beat me you know if you can knock him off the track you get 50 bucks you're not (laughs) kidding but but it was a promotional thing for for the promoters but yeah anyway here i am now fast forward and here's this just all these people and i see so we raced the first weekend and it's kind of cool and i win the sportsman thing and so the net, two weeks later i gotta ride it again so i go out and ride the thing and Jim, Je, uh jim putman's going yeah you got to hang off like this and he's trying to give me to ride like a three-wheeler and i'm going really and he goes yeah and I, go, I don't know okay and you <laughs> really got to kind of ride like a motorcycle but nobody yes. really knew everything was so different so yeah, and I didn't know. I never really remember. So I'm riding it, and I'm getting a little faster on it, and I'm just riding in the mornings to race it that night, kind of thing. So okay, uh, so we go that night, and I race the sportsman, and I win, and then I ride the pro class. And there's this guy there by the name of Jimmy White, and they're telling me <laughs> this guy's got this all this bitchin' Kawasaki garb and this bitchin' looking, uh, Takati or whatever it was three wheeler. But it right, was, this thing sounds like a rocket ship, man. A fraud. you know, it just had the tone right. I'm like wow, and I'm on a pretty much a, Harry's done the motor on this quad, but it's got stock tire stock everything, shocks, you know. Anyway, so I'm like wow, and and, and people are telling me, goes so that's Jimmy White, well, yeah, that's a factory guy. That's that guy. Go, what's he make a year? Well, he make 120 grand a year, 140, I don't know, somewhere in there. Like whoa, now I had never made money, so I'm going wow, I right, I can do that. Yeah, (laughs) you know, right.
0: Well, because even even the thing about back then, like uh, Jimmy White was he was like a legend to everybody. It wasn't even just like three wheeler following, I mean, it was motorsports in general. Jimmy White's a huge deal,
2: yeah. So, I'm going and nothing to take away from Jimmy White, but I I mean, I just came from the gnarliest scrapping you know business I could ever ride in, which is motorcycles and never made much money. And I'm hungry to make money, I gotta go find a job. I'm working. But anyway, so moral of the story. So we get, we, in that particular race, I take off and, and I hole shot. And I think one guy gets by me and remember this is the pro class thing. And, and, yeah. and I'm just, I'm just Joe squid jumping on a quad. So anyway, so Jimmy comes in and he's going to pass me, goes on the outside, just hanging off the thing. And I think, well, you can't get around me. So I just stuff my tire in there and he flips over nothing big, but he flips over and he flips, he gets up and he flips me off. And I go, <laughs> Oh man, this guy's big. I got to get out of here. So I take off you know, and we laughed about it years later, but it, it, that's kind of how it all started, you know. Okay. Um, you know, so that was with Harry Clem. So now fast forward a little bit. Clem goes to Suzuki. Suzuki says, no, nah, we don't have the budget. And him, Clem goes, look, if you send, put Denton on these things, he'd go be the national champion and beat Honda and all this stuff. And they didn't do it, so Honda won that year, you know, that was – oh, no, they didn't have a they, – they had kind of an off title. I think it was one race deal at Porterville or something. That was 85. So '80. 80, Six comes around, or no, 85 comes around a little bit. I'm sorry, we're still in 85. I'm trying to remember. Okay. And, and Terry Varner is at Race Tech by chance again and says, uh, and I'm working there. And he says, hey, what's up? He goes, I, I just got, you know, came in some money. I got an inheritance. And he goes, I'm going to buy a couple of dirt bikes and go sponsor Ron Turner or something. And Ron Turner is a, you know, a legendary motocrosser. and so and a, yeah. and, a, and a friend. And okay. so I go, why are you going to do that? I go, they got this quad thing, man. I go, you know how to build motors? He goes, yeah. I go, this thing's. I I tell him how many people. He goes, no way. And I go, yeah. So we start looking into it. I don't know if we went to an event or what. He goes, well, I could buy a couple of quads. And he goes, can you win? I go, yeah, I can win. I go, you know how to do motors? He goes, yeah, I can build motors, sure. And I go, well, let's go do it. So we did. So here, so Terry Bonner sponsors, buys me two quads, practice bike, race bike, and we start coming up with those innovative ideas, and we start racing them, and we started winning. You know, we went to a Mickey's, and I. I think the first one we went to was a Mickey Thompson over in San Bernardino, and I, I got a third. I hole shot it, but I wasn't in shape, and I don't okay. know we had big tires on it and some other things, and sure, and so and so then we the next event was about three four weeks away, and I'm training and I'm riding and I'm training riding, and we come up with those those little hardline tires. Actually, Greg Clark was using them, and okay. so Terry gets these tires, they little Prellies I think at the time, and he carves them up, and we go to Coliseum and. I ended up getting my first big win. I mean it was just and, and the rest is history. I just continued to win from there. I was like on fire. It was you know it was just fun. Uh, I was I was doing things that I'd never done before. I was you know I was I was now in all the magazines. I'm making great money and I
0: was on TV. Yeah, and those are made- all
2: the things. Those are all the things you want in moto.
0: And That's I, I, what I was just gonna say. Yeah, that was that was your light at the end of the tunnel. You were feel like you were getting so close. Yeah. Two wheels, all of a yeah. sudden, you find yourself in a in a, in the four wheel side, this new side of the sport, and you're getting everything that you wanted. But it started with like by mistake. That's the craziest part.
2: Yeah, and so so you know we do that deal. So that was '85, uh, and then in '86 I started getting bikes and parts. Suzuki puts me on the nationals. Barter's doing the motors. Uh, I win three nationals and I break three nationals. So oh, okay, okay, yeah. So I didn't win the title that year, you know. Could have, I think I ended up second or third? But we, you know, breaking down three nationals out of I don't, I can't remember if it was. It seemed like it was six or seven events, but something okay. like I don't know.
0: But so, uh, and that and was that eighty six would have been the first year of the the four yes. national championship.
2: Yeah, and and Rodney Gentry won that year. Yep. so so, yep, so Rodney. Yep. So so, Rodney wins. Uh, I want to say Stevie Wright gets second, and you know we won some really cool events. I mean, uh, there was one year you where know, Honda sponsored the event, and you know it was pretty crazy too. I, I, what I didn't realize a rivalry between Suzuki and Honda fans. You know, okay. I mean there were your Honda fans and hardcore, and the Suzuki fans hardcore, and probably the same cal second, but not so much in ATV four or four wheel class. And you know, right. So so yeah. the quad class was crazy, and, and
0: go ahead. I was just going to say, and, and you can finish that thought before you answer this, but I wanted to ask, you know, how was ATV racing like received at the time? Because it's such a new endeavor. Um, you know, I wanted to know like, were ATVs the outcast or were, was everybody coexisting? Was it viewed as this new futuristic thing? Like when ATV racing was new, what was it, how was it received?
2: well my moto buddies i'll call them chairs and you know couches and, oh you know, so that that has crap. so
0: that hasn't changed
2: you, you, yeah <laughs> well no they, they you know they they were calling them that you know so but okay. here's a, i mean i can tell you some funny stuff so so, like, one time, it, this is 87, and, you know, I'm on the factory team, but we'll go back yeah. to that a little bit, how that transitioned, but we're okay. all at Mammoth, and you've got Doug Dubach, Mike Byer, Mike, you know, Doc, Mike, Doug Byer, Doug Dubok, you know, the legendary, legendary motocross riders, right. the and yeah. a few other guys, and we're all renting a condo, and I'm in the kitchen making some cereal, and they're going, you know, moto moto's not that good right now, it's hard to get a ride, and this and that, and it's before Doug got his works ride, and okay. they're all sitting there, and there's probably, I don't know, five or six of them around whining, and 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 they always give me crap, but I'm up there practicing on a dirt bike because right, I love practicing on them. And I love all sports, you know. Yeah, and so, of course. So, so it's so funny. So they're there, and I go, you know, I go, this ATV thing sure is working out for me. And I go, <laughs> I go, making big bucks on TV every week. <laughs> and they're going, screw you. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. but, you know, I always jab them as much as I can. And I can tell you, uh, I beat some really fast motocross riders at Glen Helen National Track. now. Is a motor, is a is a quad as, as fast as a dirt bike? No, you know. I mean, I had this conversation with Steve over at Pulp MX, and yeah, no, it's yeah. not. But on certain days, yeah, it's better.
0: <laughs> no doubt, no doubt yeah. that that's what we argued on some of these shows with <laughs> Jeffrey Ostrelli and, and Joel Hetrick. I mean, that the track condition is a very key <laughs> part of this whole argument here.
2: Well, if there's not the, the, the tires don't have the circumference, meaning they're you know, they're not as, as large. So right. if you have really tall jumps, peak jumps, you the bike will stay low to the ground, whereas the quad goes straight up and down. So uh, yeah. in in you know an aspect, but I can tell you, Doug Duboc, which was the fastest at the time out at out there at uh, Glen Helen. Uh, I. You know, there was a there. I was a half second off his time, right behind him every lap. The only reason he was faster is because the quad they had these six whoops. He could go three three, and he was out of them. I had to go two two two, and so because I had to do that, that was the half a second of lap. Oh, so we wow. went. So Doug and I went to the back track, and I waxed him, and he didn't want to admit it. And I go, I beat you. I go, you're you're too slow. I think I'm going to have to come back and ride motorcycles. You know, because <laughs> the buddy. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I gave yeah. Doug I gave Doug the rock start lessons back in the day because uh, Paul Pied asked me to, and and I've known okay. Doug forever. But but the point is, you know, I, I got to a point where I could be out there testing Mike Chamberlain, pro circuit uh, split fire racer back in the day. I don't yep. know if you remember that I name. I sure do. Yep, I sure I pa- do. I, I would pass him, wave him by, repass him, wave him by, just for good faith, you oh, know. And uh, Matt Tedder, he was a CMC number one rider. Pass yes. him, wave him by. He said, please don't tell anybody. Pass him, wave him by. I, i'm mike preston he worked for kawasaki for us Ever pro rider same thing ross maeda same thing i mean they hated it you know oh, that's <laughs> so, so funny that's oh, I, so awesome and, and they're sitting there testing and i come back up and i go you know i think i'm gonna go back to bikes you guys are getting slower <laughs> i mean you know <laughs> they get so mad but oh, but you, cool. it's all it's all in having fun Yep. You know, that's how I look at it. I mean, I talked to Jody Weisel. I don't know, a few months back, and we were talking about this stuff. And he said, no, there was nobody going to beat you down the lower section. No way. You know, and 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 so if the track's right, is a quad faster than a dirt bike on a motocross track? Generally not. But well, I had that conversation with Steve again at Pulp and, X, and he said, okay, well, we want to know because we've had this debate, and I didn't know. And anyway, I just yep. said, hey, look, it. I go, here's the deal. I go, I was just having dinner, and I go, with Rob Vitus and Mike Byer. And I understand that the last event of the year was the Ironman event. Is that correct, Cody? So, yes. So, yes, so was. that yeah. was motocross, bought dirt bikes, and it was motocross uh, quads, right? So, yes. so the quad guys were there, for the, all, both of them for the last national. And he said the first practice, the quad guys matched the moto guys lap time for lap time. So yep. there you go. Sure and so he said, well, moto guys can do everything. You know, they, they can go from moto to ATVs like you. They go moto to TT or flat track like Steve Weiss. And they go, you know, John Michelle Bell went to road race. And I said, well, that's true. They, they've, they've done some good stuff. I go, but you can't say that, you know, that head, Chad, You know that Chad Weenan or Joel Hetrick couldn't have took on a different path and got on a dirt bike. How do you know? And not one nationals. How do you exactly.
0: know? Exactly. You're preaching to the choir. That's well, his. That's his argument is that – Hey, like you are his argument on his show. He said, Gary Denton, look at Gary Denton. He was, a, <laughs> he was a solid dirt bike guy, but right. he, and he transitioned to quads. He's the greatest quad guy ever. So he basically was saying any dirt bike guy, any, no. you know, decent pro could hop on a quad. And, and I guess I'm sitting there thinking, okay, first of all, there are, there is such a thing as, Hey, you could just be more talented on a quad like Gary Denton could have just been. Yes. Good dirt bike rider. Great quad rider, all time. Great quad rider. Like that's an actual thing. His other thing, he doesn't, he can't wrap his header. And I love Steve. I'm a pulp listener. Die hard. Like I've said to my listeners plenty of times they know, um, I'm, it's never a bashing because I'm diehard Steve fan. Well, but, once but, again, the, I, but I, the thing I, is, the thing is, is that steve can't wrap his head around that somebody would enjoy riding a quad it's only a backup plan which he's so far missing the boat there i mean we love atv racing too we love motorcycles we love atvs too so i'll let you finish but i just needed to it's so well, good to, it's what, so good to well no
2: and steve focus. and by the way thanks i want to thank steve for having me on the show and i'm not trying yeah. to you know you know kick him or anything no <laughs> yeah of course of course but, of but, course. but, but though he was really good to me, but, but that's just my thoughts. That's how I feel. And, and the reality is, you know, when you look at all of it, um, remember when I got a factory ATV ride, which we'll get into next, yep. those were production bikes, man. They were just exactly. production bikes. So there was no titanium on them. There was no special ignition. There was no work cylinders. I mean, this was all production off the shelf stuff.
0: This is so, rider. This is like, this is when yeah. you're, when you're doing it to ATV guys, when you're setting yourself apart from the other ATV pack, that's all on rider. And if you would have had, you know, if it wouldn't have been apples to oranges in your dirt bike career, if it would have been apples to apples or oranges to oranges, I feel like you would have, I mean, you've just told me that you would have been on a level playing field and had a better yes. chance against yes. those other guys.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, but, you know, racers, racers. I mean, I can tell you that we go to the, we go to the, they have a Carlsbad reunion that Scotty uh, Burnworth puts on him and his wife. And, and you know what, it's cool. And Brock Lover will show up and, and Brock you know here's a guy wins what's he doing five titles or something and, yes. and, and he's a good yes. friend and brock just complains about the one time i beat him on his ow at saddleback and you know an, not a national just a race you know and right. like, would you stop it brock i mean but that's how we are as racers right you know we golden boy yeah. yeah
0: yeah exactly <laughs> so,
2: so it's good stuff but um no you know so for me then i, I 80 that was 86 so, you know we're winning stuff and Yep. I'm, making, I'm making like 50 grand a year. I'm working at Racetech, making 25, making another 25 racing. I'm happy. I'm making good money. Suzuki comes along and says, hey, we're going to start a factory team. And so they want to pay me, and the people should know the numbers. So they want to pay me 50, 50 grand salary. And if I win the title, it's 30. Oh,
0: my.
2: And, and so with all my other sponsors, I'm able to make 100 grand a year because I did win the title. But I'll tell you what, the title wasn't easy to win. I go and I race the race. They're making us race two fifty and five hundred on the same day. Okay, can you imagine? So, so you're racing four motos. Oh my gosh, and I didn't even know yeah. that. oh yeah, it was awful. And and I, Varner built me this this fire breathing motor for the five hundred, and it would not start. I could start in second or third or fourth, or I could gear it differently. And what okay. I didn't realize, they just had too much power. And so I, I, last few nationals, I said, just give me a stock cylinder. We had, and I hole shotted everything, and I won. Uh, I think I won the last uh, two, the last two uh, TT five hundred races, and I didn't race Loretta's, and I'll get to that. So what happens? We're racing in the series, and I'm banging bars with uh, I want to say it was Gentry for the title.
1: Okay. And
2: I think Roddy won the 500s that year, but um, the two fifty, uh, I I'm trying to get around Watts at a TT. At, we were racing an Isle, is really fast track, and Watts is holding me up little he holds shots, and I catch up to him, and I'm trying to get around them, and I make a mistake. I cut a little too close to one of those big, huge tractor tires, and I hit it, and I crash. And I get back up, and I still finish fifth, but I busted my elbow. Okay. So this is, this is a gnarly story. So I, I bust my elbow. I'm in pain. You know, I go back, drink a couple of beers, take some, you know, aspirin, whatever, and yep. wake up next day. My elbow's swollen. So I fly home. I go see my doctor. And he goes, all right, I got you already set up for an orth- orthopedic surgeon. I go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I'm, I got to race in two weeks you know and he goes well he goes no you know he goes you got to get operated he goes well i go no you don't understand i'm gonna win thirty thousand dollars bonus i was just gonna say I, I gotta I get mean, this money <laughs> yeah yeah so well my national title too i mean you know so first one and so right yeah he uh he goes well let me let me make a call so he does and they do some special thing and it, it, i don't know but it was a different type of surgery it's a plastic prosthesis and i still have it into this day and I okay. raced whatever it was two or three weeks later, and it was a TT. I think we raced Ohio. I had a one, and the, the, the gentry was all over me because the, we were lapping riders, and in, in the, the referee was a one. I don't know what was wrong with this guy. He would not blue flag the guys. He would not go out there and make a move out of the way. So they the riders took me off the track, and Rodney won. I got second. Then we, okay. went, to, we went to Boyd, and I won both 250 and 500, and that wrapped up the title. So I didn't have to ride Loretta's and it was a moto, luckily, because I don't think I could have rode that, so I was really fortunate, once again, blessed by the man above, and, and there's another thing that goes with this quad thing, too, sur- surrounding yourself with good people, Yeah. is, is, I was fortunate, because I had Suzuki, and, uh, but, but my factory title didn't go without bumps and bruises, either, you should, you guys should know this, so you get a factory ride, think everything's gonna be great, right, so at the Absolutely. beginning here, I got, yeah. I got to back up a little bit, we go, we go to El Mirage, and it's, Jeff watched Jim Putnam and myself, and I don't think Rodney was there. So we got to do two weeks or maybe a week or two of testing. I don't know where they're like three days. And we we ride we're riding these bikes, and, and the team manager put together these bikes. His name's Chuck Duran. Chuck's a friend today, but okay. he puts these bikes together. And Chuck was my guy when I went to, got top right here. Um, and there were some things I didn't like doing there. But so here we are. I got a chance to go win a title, sign a big contract. and we're riding stuff that's slow. I mean, we're testing stuff that's just not right. The motors are not there. And we are it's 87 that we're going into. It's the end of 86, maybe January of 80, 87. And the 87 bikes are out, but we're going to race 86 bikes. And we're testing these bikes. And they're, they're horrible. So okay. I bring out about the third or fourth day, I bring out my 86 Warner bike, and I let bit ride it. It's way better than what we're riding. Okay. And we're going to get smoked. So I'm disappointed. I'm so disappointed. I go one-on-one with Chuck. And I said to Chuck, I said, Chuck, uh, you need to call Shigunoyim, which is the president of Suzuki, and let him know. I, I tell him I, I want to talk to him. I went out of the contract. And he goes, why? I go, I can't ride this stuff. This stuff is junk. I said, I hired on with you guys to win the national title. And what's going to happen is I'm going to go race, and I'm going to get beat with this stuff. And at the end of the year, Suzuki's not going to rehire me. So I would just rather stay home, win local races, which is what I want to go do. And I, I just went out of the contract. And Chuck had tears in his eyes because it was, he didn't want to hear that. Of and course. he came back the next day, and I meant it. I, I, I was serious. And he came back the next day, and he said, all right, you guys can ride what you want uh, for these first nationals till we get the bike sorted out. And we did. I went and won Pomona and went on to win that year you know so yeah so yeah it was uh that was a hard thing to do and a hard choice but you have to do and and realize what you're what you're up against
0: well you have to set yourself up for success too so you didn't you've done enough racing to that point with the deck stacked against you so you, you weren't gonna weren't gonna do it anymore now that you're on the quad so um so you talk about this but when we when we're talking about the racing because now you're you're just at your your first national championship at this point but was the was the did the atv riding come more natural to you from the very beginning or was it like like tell me about that because you just you took to the atv so well why is that
2: well here's what i think i think most motocross guys that get off dirt bikes and get to try to ride a quad they're afraid of them yeah, and they'll okay. tell you that they'll tell you that I was just talking to, and I've never, ta- I've never met Justin Brayton, but I was talking to Steve on Pulp and he said that Brayton said, man, they're a little sketchy over the jumps. So most of the guys don't understand that you got to lean into the high side of the jump. And my deal was, I just wanted to do whatever it took to learn how to ride it and go make money and make a living out of it and be the best I could be. That was it. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 and you got to remember, I just come from hardcore School, you know school and not hard, hard you know hard school knocks and not making any money right and, yeah and and now i got an opportunity to make a lot of money make a great living and i want to go do that so i just i the hardest thing i had to do was not put my foot down oh because i'm sure you're you've done that your whole life 12 and a half years of moto and yeah. now i'm getting on this thing and and if i put my foot down it's gonna eat me alive and we didn't have nerf bars in the beginning the race or no nerf.
0: Exactly. And, yes.
2: And then and then we put nurse down. We also didn't ride with any nets. And then finally we later that nets, so they're kind of bulletproof. But but you have those things, and you're you're you just don't know, you know, uh, you know if you're gonna put your foot down or not. So when I would sit on the thing, I would I'd tell myself five times, "Okay, don't put your feet down." And I would say it slowly, and I would mean it, and I would digest it, and it's what kept me from hurting myself on.
0: That is absolutely crazy that, uh, yeah. just to, just to look at it that way. Like, Hey, I gotta, I cannot put my foot down. That's, that's unreal. So, well, um,
2: well, well I can tell you a little story, a buddy of mine, how I knew is a buddy of mine. I we're at Saddleback and buddy of mine shows up and I've, I've won four motos, 125, 250 pro, uh, you know, had a great day, didn't fall all day. This is a true story. And he pulls up on a 250 R three wheel he goes, Hey man, you got to ride this thing. You got to ride it. And I go, nah. and he goes, "Come on!" I go, "Okay." I jump on it. I got my moto gear on. I just finished the motor. and I go when I get on it. And what do I do? I put my foot down first thing. Ate it up. Almost broke my knee. I go, oh. "Get this pile away from me!" I was so mad, right? And, but and there you go. Nothing against three-wheelers, but there, right. there's a there's a moto guy does the thing that he's naturally gonna do. So that's why I knew if I was going to survive on the
0: quad, I had to do, keep my you feet had up. To, Yeah. You had to focus on keeping your feet up. And that's funny. You mentioned the three-wheeler thing too, because I mean, before not knowing your history and depth like this, I would have, I would have bet that a three-wheeler would have been a bridge in somewhere because it's it just seems more like a, like a dirt bike when you're going from a dirt bike to a four-wheeler. So that's, that's funny to, uh, to know that three-wheelers were never involved. Like you, you wanted nothing to do with them.
2: No, no, I, well, I had a lot of, fr- I had some friends that, that raced them or rode them in Glamis, and, and when quads were kind of like a natural transition, okay. and three wheelers were not, I mean, I can tell you a gnarly story, I mean, you should know this one, Jimmy White was a god, so, so yeah. let's go to this one, so here's Jimmy White, and they're going to start racing quads and three wheelers together, and I think that we had once, but, and I think I have been in the Coliseum event where I won, but we don't really know who's faster, and I know I'm, J- Jimmy's a god, so I'm going, wow. So we show up at this track down in San Diego area, and uh, we're going to do a test. Who's better? Well, who's faster? The three-wheel or the four-wheel guy? Okay. So they pit us against each other. And first thing we do is we do, uh, I want to say motocross. And I beat him in motocross, and then, you know, like quite a bit. So that was kind of cool. And then okay. we ride TT, and I win by a little bit. and And then – we just starts and he beats me, and um, there's no way I can beat him. He's just, the, his bike's just gnarly. I mean, you're hooking up and okay. and uh, and not that my back is slow. It was good, of so, course. Yeah, but, but you know uh, they had those they had those calories working well. So then then they go, we're done. I I, I beat him. This is cool, and I'm happy with that. And then they go the, the 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 editor goes, oh hey man, we should do the the let's do the uh, speedway track. And it's a big one. And I'm going, like, no, oh, come on, man. And yeah. so, Jimmy, uh, yeah, yeah. So, Jimmy's got another shot at me. And I'm like, man. So, he gets out there and he's got the thing freaking wide open the whole track. And it's impressive to watch him ride that thing around the speedway track. Of right? Course. And he is incredible. It's like poetry motion. And yep. I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to beat him times, There's no way. Well, his whole thing, you got to go in what? And on the three wheel, you're wide open the whole thing, right? Well, I'm different. I'm going like I'm making it like two turns. He's making it completely four turns. Okay. Right? Yep. So there's a there's a turn, you know, one, two, three, and four, and I'm like a one-two pretty much. Okay. So what yep. that means is I go drive right in, go to the inside, break swing the back end around, binders on and then, <laughs> slide the back end around and hook up and come off. Yeah, drive in and drive, in drive out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I I do that and anyway we get done and I beat him by a little bit, you know, and they said, well, it's close, you know, and so, and I'm punked, I didn't think I'd beat him at all, and right. I did, because it was just faster, yeah. and so, because he's burning the tires, but it didn't appear that way, so, so then we go again, and I go, I can go faster, and so we go again, and I, and I beat him by even more, and so that killed that, so fortunate for me, I won, you know, oh, that's cool. that up yeah but it was a but it was a legendary shootout it was a changing of the guard is really what that that's kind of what i
0: was that's what i was going to say is yeah that kawasaki that three-wheeler and and jimmy white i mean that's such a legendary combo and like you just said it's kind of the changing of the guard we'll get right back to the show but now a word from our sponsors and thank you for listening to these ads without these great companies none of this would be possible show your support for the people who support us Before digging deep was even a reality, back when it was just an idea, CST Tires already believed in us, which is fitting because no one believes in their tires more than I do. Our title sponsor, CST Tires, and their Paul Semixar Tires continue to hook every rider strong enough and willing to grab a handful of throttle after mounting them on their ride. Used by Thomas Brown to win races and clinch a third straight Quad Cross of Nations title, Nick Janusa when he grabbed his first career pro class podium, and myself, Cody Jansen, as I rode my Pulse MXR Fronts and White Label Soft Compound Rears to a 2019 National Championship in the Junior 25 Plus Class. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit csttires.com to join the CST Takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did. CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. Anybody that I've gotten to try them, I've heard nothing but positive things back. We're proud to be Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. Why choose Yamaha? Look no further than Chad Wienan's six championships in the past eight seasons aboard his Yamaha YFZ 450R. Not to mention Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing, and their support of this podcast proves it. For the 2020 ATV MX season, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program will offer payout and prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more information, head to YamahaOutdoors.com and follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors today. All hail Blue Crew, the number one OEM supporter of ATV racing. For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads, and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability as well as a longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, and everywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at valvoline.com. SSI Decals is a name synonymous with ATB Racing, synonymous with big time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the company quickly took off. And today, you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, short course off-road trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and, oh yeah, six-time NHRA world champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI Decals, making your identity stick with championship level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is brought to you in part by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 chain. This patented X-Ring chain boasts a steel alloy construction for reduced weight, increased strength, and a longer overall chain life, making it the optimal ATV racing chain. Pick up an ATV2 chain today at your local dealer or wherever DID chains are sold. Don't forget about their motocross, off-road, and street bike chains as well. Wherever you go, go with DID. Hello listeners, this is Chad Wienan, six-time AMA ATV Pro National Champion, an owner of Wienan Motorsports and proud partner of Digging Deep, atvmx podcast the two of us share a strong passion for atvmx owning my own team gives us the ability to handpick the best products on the market for our racing program with consistent testing research and development we are confident that when choosing the products we believe in our customers will be satisfied in building their own race program as well we race what we sell with brands like fox shocks walsh racecraft ssi decals wrath racing and hinson racing just to mention a few, go to check out to see the full lineup. Enter discount promo code DIGDEEP at checkout. Enough talking already. Get out and get some fresh air and go ride. Hope to see you at the track soon.
3: We are proud to be partnered with Numero Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates that allows for tighter tolerances and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com. Numira Technologies, Pistons with an Attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits. Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world. Visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. The Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes, a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology. DP has been dominating the ATV world for decades by supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. 2020 is no different, with an impressive lineup, including AMA ATV Pro Class Champion Joel Hedrick and Phoenix Racing Honda Team, Cody Jansen and his 2019 Junior 25 Plus National Championship, Baldwin Motorsports, Nick Januza. Wesley Wolf, and much more in the ATV Motocross. In GNCC Racing, DP has 16 of the top 17 pros heading into 2020. This includes the Champ Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Chris Borich, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, Adam McGill, and more. These riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on the top of the podium. Available at www.dp-brakes.com. Purchase at your local dealer or message us for the contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP Brakes. 4Works Carbon's innovative, lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, 4Works has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust 4Works for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. 4Works Carbon always working hard to bring high quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com.
0: We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider-owned and operated brand with the rider in mind and the goal of keeping costs affordable. The Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity. Owner David Payne's love for eccentric colorways and crazy patterns shows in his product, something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Grip's drive is to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. With comfort and quality as key motivators, the family affair is constantly working on the next more innovative and improved glove. Get a grip on life, join the Gript movement, because no one wants a bland glove. Check them out today at griptgloves.com, that's G-R-I-P-T-Gloves.com, and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? Americans have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a licensed doctor in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a US licensed physician within 24 hours. If the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, Go to GetRoman.com slash digging for your free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com digging for your free online visit and free two-day shipping. We are also proud of our partnership with Factory 43. Factory 43 was born in 2007 making Nerf bars for the Suzuki LTR, Honda TRX 450R, and Yamaha's YFZ450. The brand soon added bumpers and grab bars and for years now has offered parts for all sport quads. The racer-owned company strives to offer a quality product that installs easy, looks good, and holds up over time. For 2020, Factory 43 is the aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing Honda team, providing riders like Joel Hetrick, Jeffrey Restrelli, Chris Boric, and Grayson Eller with the motocross and cross country versions of their Evo Nerf bar and MX style front bumpers. Head over to factory43atv.com to see their full line of products. Thanks to Factory 43. We are excited to dig deep with the support of Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC. Celebrating their 10-year anniversary this May, the company was started by former racers selling three-wheeler parts out of a barn in upstate New York. Through hard work, accompanied by offering great service to their customers, BTQ LLC now has over 40,000 new and used parts in stock. But they haven't forgotten their roots, still offering used OEM parts for three-wheelers, dirt bikes, ATVs, and side-by-sides. Parts are in stock and ready to ship with delivery within three days, including free shipping on orders over $50. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for $10 off orders of $50 or more. We're grateful to have Bikes, Trikes, and Quads, LLC digging deep with us. Support our industry's grassroots businesses. Thank you, BTQ
1: LLC. We are proud to be partnered with Avocado Green Mattresses, We all know that sleep and rest are an important part of any athlete's routine. Avocado's line of natural mattresses and pillows provide exactly the support you need to ensure you perform at your best while doing the best for the planet. The Avocado mattress offers zoned back support with an internal support unit, meaning whether you are recovering from a hard day of riding or relaxing on a Sunday morning, you will be experiencing next level comfort. You can rest in peace knowing the components in your mattress and Pillow are non-toxic, natural, and sustainably sourced. And getting your Avocado Green mattress could not be any easier. They offer a 100-night sleep trial, free shipping and return pickups, and a 25-year warranty. And if that wasn't enough, rest assured knowing they have five-star ratings by verified customers, including some of the Digging Deep staff. Step up your sleep game by visiting avocadomattress.com.
0: Thanks for listening. And remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. You talked about 87 and that's your, that was your first championship and all these things. And um, then it goes on a streak. And I guess when you, when you look at eight consecutive titles from afar, you know, when you look at it in a, in a statistic or a, or a, you know, a, a archive or whatever, like it looks like eight consecutive, like it, like it looks like it was easy. Um, but I'm sure that it wasn't. I mean, I'm sure that no. there were crazy battles no. and, and, and so take me through some of that because um, again, like when you look at that many in a row, you figure, Hey, he just killed everybody. No, um, but yeah. So no. take me into that because I know that there's, there's your rides changed and maybe your, your factory affiliation changed. And so take me into some of that.
2: Well, there, there, uh, here's one for you. So, let's 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 eighty eight so eighty eight is I'm going to sign a multi year contract and I'm looking to sign you know three hundred grand a year plus right and yep. you're, you're talking' it's a ton of dough back in and I'm going to finally make real big bucks I'm excited right we're talking about that Duran and I are and comes it comes in we come into it and I'm not getting any calls and maybe I call Chuck and then chuck Chuck calls a meeting and so it's Putman Watson myself. And we go and meet him down in brand by Suzuki. And he's not really supposed to meet with us. But he tells us Suzuki's not going to re-sign us for the next year. And you want to talk about ugly. I mean, I figured there was something up. But it was, it was really heart-shaking because you go from having, you know, cool ride, everything's kind of dialed in. And now we're going to go into, uh, you know, racing multi-year contracts. And, you know, it's nice to have a factory behind you and you just show up and race you know of there's course. more truth than that but that's kind of like what it is but yep so putman looks at watson and, and says what are you going to do and he goes well i got that cabinet shop i'm gonna go do that and Watts looks at putman he goes what are you going to do and he goes well i got, you know he goes i got a concrete cut and i'm going to company and i'm going to go do that cut concrete and they love both look at me and they go what are you going to do i go i'm going racing." So. I'd already figured out I could do sponsors and stuff and, and I'd already made my grounds of what I wanted to do and be. And so fortunate for me at that point, I was able to go garner up a bunch of sponsors and, and, you know, the sponsorships were still good. And because I was number one, I was able to get quite a few and, and, you know, I was able to make good money. I think I probably made 70 grand that year. That was more than I ever made in my lifetime. So that was cool. Other than the title, which I made a hundred.
0: Right. Yeah. So but that's that's crazy uh that you know you kind of get put on on your own, and now you're you just yeah. figure it out like you
2: well, well it, it was tough you know so uh but you know, saw we, the
0: business per, you saw the businessman aspect of this yeah. and how you could play that because I mean as far as i've like ever known about you in your in your era and how you put your whole program together, you were the first real. I guess, professional in every sense of the word, you were the first business person kind of doing the ATV thing. Am I right?
2: Yeah, I, I, I guess somewhat. I, I mean, I was older. So I was, okay. I was probably six to 10 years older in my next competition. Okay. That was one. So I was probably a little more mature in that respect. I mean, I can remember being, you know, over in South Africa on motorcycles, couldn't even speak, you know, they wanted me to do a speech. And so in to do time, you learn how to speak, do public speaking. And Yep. talking in front of large crowds and things of that nature. So I was kind of groomed for that through that transitional process of motorcycles and ATVs and stuff and, and oh, of course okay. age. So that helped me a lot. And uh and then I just went after. It. I mean, I, I I put together resumes and I I put together, you know, I had all these articles and the press was really good for me and you well, know. whether it was a gear company or you know, an oil company or whatever. I mean, I was doing that stuff. And and you're talking about sponsorships and people. I mean, I was with Bell Ray forever. It's a little oil company starts here in Chino in nineteen ninety and and you know, remember money is money and Bel Ray gives me a lot of product and we use a ton of it, you know. Okay. So yep. uh, you know, I, I don't know. I probably use ten grand of it a year and this other company has an additive company. It's just a husband and wife, two kids, and they're in a roll-up, 1,500-square-foot roll-up building in Chino. And the guy says, I'll give you 10,000 shares. Of my company for a sticker. Really nice people. Okay. okay. And yeah. I wanted to do it, but I was contractually attached to Ray. Yep. Yep. And ethically, I couldn't do it, and contractually, I couldn't do it. But, and so I didn't do that. And that company is probably sixth or eighth largest you know, oil company in the, in the U.S., and that's Forrest Lucas, Lucas Oil.
0: Oh, wow. That's
2: that's true. More started right here in Chino. So there you go.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. So, yeah, yeah, it's unreal. You know, because I actually got uh, people asking me what sponsorship was like in your era. And I knew that we could kind of tie this together when we were talking about it. Because even when... Um, when you went away from Suzuki, and I didn't know how it ended, and I didn't know how that factory affiliation changed, but I I had read some things that, um, you know, first you rode for uh, factory efforts, and then you had a privateer effort of your own, but you made it look factory in your presentation. Well, well that's kinda, that's kind of where I took that. You know yeah. that you were such a professional and and stuff from. So I'll let you. Well, pick I up was there.
2: well, I was fortunate because in '88 I met Wayne Wayne Henson, uh, Ellen Knowles from CT introduced me to him, and okay. Uh, so Wayne had a construction company, and we hit it off as you know just two guys hanging out, and uh, he bought me a, a quad for practice bike, and and uh, and then in '89 he sponsored me full blown, but what happened was. In '88, uh, you talk about stuff, and we'll get into Wayne and sponsorships and people. But in in '88, I beat Barry McCarty by one point. Didn't even know I I beat him. I left Loretta Lynn's last national of the year. Went to the airport, thought I lost the title. My mechanic had taken my number one plate off and put it on Barry's bike. I won the overall that day, and Barry and I had a just a barbing and race at the at the second moto. I won the first moto, and uh, the second the last moto, we just went at it and uh and i don't remember if that was it, it, it might have been we had heats because it was so many people but i don't think so i think it was two motos it, okay. I think it was but they Dave big dave coach were a pitch and track over in the campground area because it was all mudded out and, you know in the regular track so we had we rode this european track and yes doug gus doug gus yeah.
0: told us about this yeah because this oh, was his first oh. pro race Oh, it was,
2: yeah. Doug had these big, huge tires on. He exactly. This yep. Kid. This is the, the <laughs> so, exact story yeah, he told us. Yep. Yeah. And it was so cool. So we went at it and I think I, I won with a one 2 but anyway, the moral of the story is I, I left for the airport and down there and Paul Turner's there and he owned Duncan racing at the time. Cause yep. it was called Paul Turner racing before he yep. sold it. Yep. And yep. I'm going, man, you know, he goes, he goes, I go, man, I so close. I, go, I guess I lost. He goes, no, you won by one point. I go, what? He goes, yeah. <laughs> Because I didn't count the points at that time. Trust me, after that, I did every year after that. I, I, every, I, I checked everybody. You know, right, because yeah. Because I, I was leaving the future, you know, I was leaving my future up to the AMA and what they calculated, which – Amy's great but you just never know and you need to know where you're at so no
0: exactly yeah that's so so i mean yeah going back to me saying that eight titles in a row looks easy but yeah. i knew i knew that there was some that were really really uh, really close well, um, i just wanted to hear the details about these uh, well, that,
2: well well so mccarty's got number one on his bike he thinks he won i think he won and i go to the airport and they tell me i won and i uh, well Turner tells me I won so then I called AMA I was burning their phone up you know Monday morning and they said no you're the champion oh wow what a,
0: what a gift and oh so, my goodness
2: yeah and that's fact so um, what really helped me is like I said Wayne Henson was such a he's a friend him and his family him and Carol and Ronnie and Brian they just they were all supportive and Wayne bought me that bike, we struck a friendship, and the 88 was kind of a tough year, because I had to hodgepodge the team together, and then 89, uh, you know, from there on, we hooked up with, uh, that year, we hooked up with um, Alan Knowles, and Knowles was the motor builder, and then after that, we hooked up with Rod Emery, and Rod Emery was an amateur rider, because it was expensive. 'Cause remember we live here on the west coast and the majority of the vents are back east. Of course. So to yep. put a so to put a mechanic on the road full time, you're talking, you know, I don't know, sixty, eighty grand a year, gas, lodging, you know, monies, maybe a hundred, I don't even know. You'd have to put together but seventy right, to hundred yeah. grand. So yeah. it's in it's not feasible to make any money or be able to do that. So what we would do is hook up with amateur riders, Rod Emory being the first. Uh, and Rod's still a good friend today and uh, he owns a Porsche development company in in Hollywood. Here, he's really gifted at it. He builds these special Porsches. But oh, him wow. and his family, the Emory's were great. And then um, after that, I think it was the Bellhans, Georgie Bellhan, uh, and Big George, and him, and their mom, and and uh, that that was just phenomenal. They were great. And then the Goodmans, Harold Goodman, the Knacks, and the Nathan Goodmans again. And so all these people helped me out a lot. And and having like I said, Wayne Henson was there. We would Wayne and I would he lived in montclair so he's close to me 15 minutes away so we hung out all the time and tested all the time and we would do stuff you know that other people didn't do we did we had a thing called alley testing and alley testing consists of finding out what the characteristics of the motor is that's you know no suspension just motor sure characteristics so you want to know if you put a different stuff or an exhaust on a two-stroke do you get more or less torque what it does how much you know that kind of thing same thing with intake spacers um same thing with pipe variations short silencers long silencers okay. um different cylinder heads, you know cc ratings domed not domed um you know compression factors you know things of that nature so um we would test these things at night we'd go to these construction well these big tilt up buildings where they have all this asphalt and we'd go behind them because nobody out there on the boonies and we'd show up at 10 o'clock at night with his trailer and we'd start the generator we have lights and and the places were lit anyway, so it was cool, oh, and then wow. we, I would, we would just test and we'd change stuff, so that's how we developed a lot, so that when you got in the dirt, sure it's not going to be the same, but you can try it, and you'll know what the characteristics is going to do what, what directive it's going to go
0: of course, so, yeah
2: yeah, so that was a really big thing, but I got a great story, so Wayne and I there, and we'd show up at ten o'clock at night because nobody was around, cops were found okay. around right so so we're doing this illegally, you know <laughs> so so we go there. And he's got the bike and it's got the greatest tone, bah, bah, you know, and things, he's revving it. And I'm like, wow. So I get over and I grab the throttle. I'm on the right side of the bike and I'm revving it. I'm off the bike, I'm not on it yet. I'm revving it. And I'm like, wow, this sounds so good. And I, we had big heavy flywheels and things. So I revved it and it's still coming down off the revs, but it's still revved up. And I step over and I kick it in gear and it breaks the transmission. Boom. and Wayne, i look at wayne wayne looks at me and (laughs) he was really good about it but he wanted to kill me i felt like (laughs) i felt like a complete knucklehead i mean you know and and we just talked about this couple days ago and he said well it was how i look at a and he says better than than at a national you know (laughs) and 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 wayne would prep the bikes and make them bitching and we'd do that and that's how those are things that helped us and enhanced our program you know
0: that's unreal. And it's funny because my dad said to me earlier today, he's like, make sure you ask Gary about Wayne Hinson, because I know that yeah. he had a lot to do with his program back then. So, uh, Well, well really
2: Wayne, cool. built the first, Wayne built the first clutch baskets. They were steel clutch baskets. built one for me and one for Rod Emery. And, and we put them in the bikes because we're, people were blowing them up. And he was worried about that. And they were rotating mass because they were heavier. They were steel versus aluminum. And so that enhanced the way the bike worked too yep and it 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 allowed us not to have DNS. so uh that was out of a, out of need that's how driven we Wayne, Wayne was He owned a construction company, but he had lays and he's an old drag racer and so he knew a lot about different things
0: so did uh, you did you get the did you get wayne into atv stuff or was he already into atvs before he, you he was he was
2: already into it they'd go to Glamis and stuff of that nature but uh i don't believe as much uh and he was he was really he at the time he told me he was tired of the construction business he went take a little bit of time off okay and he did that and he and i don't know you know he spent a lot of money and time and effort and i i own the world i mean he's he's a good friend today and yeah Uh, what he did for me him and his family were just incredible and they started a whole you know whole company out of the clutch basket thing you know you know i'm happy for that they uh what's really cool is that you know we built the baskets and they had them and the quad guys were using them and we i I introduced them mitch payton and mitch is on now we don't you know about two years later mitch was hired to break some baskets and he calls wayne up hey wayne do you have those do you have clutch baskets for these things and so, rest is history. Put them in Mitch bikes, but what they found out—if you think about a dirt bike—they got a lot larger tires, so they get a lot more wheel chatter.
0: Right, so this, of course. This
2: eliminated a bunch of that wheel chatter. Yep. Not against, you know, not to mention, you know, the the basket wears and you get surging on the line and things of that nature. Of but, course. Yep. But uh, but no, I mean, you know, so it's really cool to see them prosper out of that and and
0: do, you know, and they they've built an empire there, but they're also, you know, you're, you've said it, but I wanted to chime in on it too. They're some of the nicest people in the whole entire world, the whole Hinson family there.
2: Oh yeah. Without a doubt.
0: Yeah. So uh, that's, that's amazing. I wanted to, as soon as you, as soon as you started, I'm like, well, did Gary must've had something to do with, with getting Hinson. So, I mean, cause still like Hinson's this giant, 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 company doing all mm-hmm. this different stuff but at their core they're still you can still tell that they're I don't know if I want to say partial to ATVs but part but ATVs are still in their heart you know
2: oh yeah they go to Glamis and they use them and they play around and have fun and yeah uh, they're a great family and very close family and, and Wayne has a the, the kids had a they had a lot of children and so Wayne and Carol have a lot of grandkids and they just have a blast and,
0: yeah, yeah that's awesome That's yeah. awesome. So let's keep the story going then. So you're, yeah. could because we're not quite to the, I don't know if we're quite to the 90s or the early 90s yet, but that's kind of when that, you're kind of in that lull of, of you know, th- times were tough for ATV racing. Um, and I guess I, I picked up on some of that because I had read some stuff that the Coombs family had wrote. And they had said that that's kind of the era there where Gary Denton and, and how professional you were and all these things they had said that ATB racing may have not made it through that era, if not for you and all you did to promote the whole sport, not just yourself. So, um, kind of talk about those middle years there in your championships.
2: Well, uh, you know, like I said, once again, you know, I mean, be it, hanging out with Rod Emery, uh, the, the bell hands, uh, Harold, uh, you know, big Harold and, um, you know, little Harold, they, they were, they were phenomenal for me and Dorothy. they, all those people, uh, Darren Naparato, uh, Darren was a good friend. Yep. Um, all those guys, all those people helped us with our program to look professional and to set things up. So uh, what my part was, what I tried to do was carry myself well, because it was, it was a job. Um, and, you know, without the promoters and without the fans and without the sponsors, we're nothing. Exactly. And there, I always say there's, if you take your fingers and squeeze them together, you really can't see the difference between winning or losing. Right. And yeah. you know, life is like that too. So anyway, I just tried to do the best I could and I'd had, I had about 30 sponsors probably at any given time yep. and they, they might be anywhere from whatever to whatever. So I negotiated a lot of deals. That was one of my strong points is negotiations. So that helped me a lot to able to put together a lot of good programs and, and part of my programs for the amateur writers was whether it was bell Hanna or emery or goodman or not not Derek was an amateur but what i would do is i would i would take my sponsors and get them to get involved and kick me down more product to be able to go to the events so that helped me too and if i look at my program my program was probably two or three hundred grand a year When you added every bit, all the money up, whether it was me paying it or somebody else paying it, you know, sponsorship paying it, or what Wayne Penn, you know, Henson's paid, or whatever, Uh, motor builders, you know, what they kicked in, you know, so it really took a group effort, and I had really good sponsors, and uh, they they just treated me well, and I treated, you know, I think you treat people how you want to be treated.
1: You know? Of course,
0: of course. And I think, I mean, you carried a stigma because even, like I said, even my, the people that we've been talking about, you know, since the chatter that's been going on since, um, you know, it, it kind of came out that you were going to be on our show here, but um, everybody, like you always had an approachable, friendly, you know, not, uh, not like a arrogance or a nose up in the air type of thing. That just wasn't you, it seems. It was always, you were accessible to these people. And then, I mean, come to find out, you're telling me that you had amateurs that were helping make this program happen. So um, yes. that's, that's, a, that's a really cool thing because it. Uh, I mean, I think that that stigma still sticks with you today, I guess, is the best way to put it.
2: Well, no, thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, I, just, I, I was just fortunate. You know, and when you look at trying to win eight titles, I mean, you win it with who you surround yourself with. You win it with, of course, ability. You win it with luck. And you win it with the help from the man above. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, Nobody can win eight of anything. I don't care if it's tiddly tiddly weeks, you know. And I'm not saying it's impossible. It's just very difficult. Is what I'm trying to it's say. It's un, you know?
0: un, absolutely unreal. Um, yeah, like like you said, it's uh, you know, you kind of are, are the company that you keep. So that's that's definitely saying something. You're onto something there. So, what was so what was training like in those days? Like how seriously, were you taking your training? Because I mean, were you just in better shape than these guys? Were you more talented than these guys? You said that you had, your program was probably maybe superior to the guys you're racing against, or you took a very, very serious um, look at your program. So what, what was the biggest key separator of you, do you think?
2: I think drive, desire, and okay. and um physical ability i mean meaning that i trained really hard yep um i knew how to train because of the 45 minute motos in moto what it took to be able to be able to hang out you know hang in there till, you know to the last laps i mean i can tell you the motocross days we'd ride in 45 minute motos eric Kehoe's a an old friend he runs a honda team right now for sure does. and so. eric i be Eric in 82, he got eighth. I got, that, I got top priority, I beat for top priority, but he had a semi works yamaha. I mean, yeah, okay. he had factory suspension motors and stuff like that, but uh, Eric was faster. <laughs> and in the last fifteen minutes, I'd catch him and beat him. In fact, my buddy Chuck Miller runs Honda or a big portion of Honda. He he put up on the board one time, you know. So he goes, wait a minute, he was showing me all the plates, and I was in the Honda race shop, right? And he okay. goes, uh, he goes, what, what? Didn't you race in there? I go, no, nah, I raced right here. I beat your team manager, Eric, right in here. <laughs> and so he puts it up there, and I talk about Eric Fate and Fate, and Eric's a stud, man. He still he looks like he's forty, you know. He, he does, looks really yes. good, yeah. Yep. And so 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 I put so Mel goes, you beat him, and I go, yeah. He used to fade. I go. He was really fast. And so Eric fixed that naturally. He was younger then. But so yeah. he, Miller writes it up. There Denton was faster. Catch Keo. Keo no Keo was faster, but would fade. Denton would catch him and beat him. And so they're all there eating pizza. And Keo sees that and he calls me up and am like "What? What is this crap? Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> That's you try funny. to have fun with. You got to have fun with those guys. Of course, know. of That's course." Chris. That's what life's about, you know, when you look at it,
0: you know. Absolutely. So fitness was kind of a strength of yours for forever. Yes. But you touched on some of your, your, your drive and stuff. So kind of piggybacking off of that a little bit. But what motivated you? Because winning over and over and over again, I mean, it can, can blur together, right? We had this conversation with Chad yeah. Weenan a little bit. But you just kept it rolling. So what, what fueled your fire?
2: Well, I had a lot of people you know really i had a lot of people depending on me to win i mean they they you know they kind of rolled on red with me you know so to speak and so that was one um i just looked at it it was me against the other competitors and i have a lot of them that are friends barry mccarty and i talked today you know but i wanted to beat the guys probably more than they wanted to beat me and I mean, once again, I go back to the years, I didn't talk about it much then because it was what it was. But when you're six to 10 years older, you can't train as hard. You can't do as much to get in the conditioning that you want to get into, especially the later years. That, you know, that, that, that I remember my last national, last title was 94. Yep. And I was really dominant that year, but I had, I had worked on suspension. Henson wanted me to work on the frame bikes more and I did. And, and so
0: I so, how old, so how old are you in 94?
2: So no, I got to go back and look, but I'm going to say 36. Okay. So, so I'm 36. You got to remember most guys are 25, 27, yep. 22. You, and that's a lot. That's a lot of difference because it you're sure usually, is. you're usually, you can, you know, you can you, probably up to your 25 or so you can, you don't get affected hard at all. you know you can get three hours sleep and get up in the morning and feel great and all those things so i was fortunate enough to have my health that's one uh not have injuries um i try not to jump off the thing and do stupid stuff you know uh (laughs) some of the riders were tended to push the envelope and they crash you know right um so i was fortunate enough to have the ability to be able to stay on you know things Things are bucking broncos you know come on you know they're violent and you're doing you're you're doing you're doing daredevil tactics at some time, you know. At some right. point, right? Yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. know if you can quite make that. And a lot of times, I wouldn't even do a double jump that would maybe be a gnarly jump until I felt good about it because oh, I didn't had really get to. hurt. Right. Yeah. Until I had to. A lot of times, drove hints and nuts. I may not do it till the first lap of the first muddle. Well,
0: you're just being was, calculated. Yeah. Well, makes there
2: sense. was well, there was guys in your way in practice. The base of the jump was muddy. Uh, One little mistake and you're hurt, you know, so, so those were, those were things probably, probably a little bit, you know, more knowledge than some of the guys.
0: Well, that's how how a champion goes about his business, right? Like you, you knew, you know, what's in you. So you don't, you're like, ah, when the, when I have to do it, I will kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just some of those things, you know, I yeah. got a funny story for you. So you probably want to hear some good stuff. So, yeah, go ahead. so so here, here's a good one. Let, let me see what, what is some of the stuff? Let me look at this. Okay. So we have this track, it's called challenger. Okay. And it's a TT track and I don't know, they had a bunch of problems with guys jumping the starts and jumping the starts and jumping the starts. And so we show up at the race and they go, I think Jack owned the track. I think he's the one motor, the owner, but, so anyway, when I'd had some other issues with him, but I'm not gonna get into those. So we go there. I tried to get along with all the guys, but yep. we get there, and so he goes, "Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna videotape, you know, the starts. So if there's a problem, we can rewind it right there, and you can reveal it." Okay, good. Okay. You know, now I didn't. I the promoters got a really hard job. The referees got a hard job, so I never tried to get in their face unless it was something that affected me in a wrong manner and just I was wronged. You know, I just think that's the way it should be. So, okay. so. So we go there and, and get up. You know, I don't know. I win the heat or something. Get you know, the line, and, and uh, remember they had multiple heats in TT. So you know, front row start. and We're there, and uh, I, I can't remember. If John Scott might have been Scott and Gus. They roll, and who are roll supposed to be put in the back line? Well, they put me in the back line, and the. The, the the referees telling me i rolled like well, I, they rolled and then i moved of course you're gonna move they initiated right. it's kind of like fo- football right so any any so, any uh, tt flat track racer
0: knows that yeah so they so they put
2: me on the back i go i want to see the tape they go no you can't they wouldn't let me so then after the race henson and i go over and we want to review the tape the, review the tape is raced
0: because <laughs> they knew they were wrong <laughs>
2: Yeah, how do you like those apples?
0: Right. Yeah. Oh my uh, gosh.
2: Yeah. So those are those are funny things, you know. But now I'm gonna go back. So then fast forward, they have a Legends event, and we're at ashabula and this is like I don't know, five years later or something. Okay. Shane hit, and John Scott are standing around, and they're buddies of mine because we rate Bang Bars forever. You
0: know? Of course. Yeah.
2: And I've got some pretty long history with Shane. And I'm gonna tell you a good one about him. I uh, I'm gonna bust his gonads <laughs> on this one. So anyway. Okay. So Shane. So Shane. But but I'll tell you the story first. So Shane goes, yeah. Well, we were at that track two three weeks earlier. He goes, what happened? And of course, he has his, you know, is uh, West Virginia. I think he's from Virginia. I think he's from Virginia. He says West Virginia, but I think uh-huh. he's Virginian. So okay. so anyway, he says he says, yeah. Me and John went up there, and he says we told Randy the 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 referee, hey, you know, what are you gonna do about the guys that jump? And he goes, well, I'm gonna put him on the back row. And he goes, he go, no, you're not gonna put Den on the back row. He jumps every time. So they got the guy rubbed up. You understand? Oh, so this is yeah. what happened. So yeah. in fairness to him, they revved him up. So he's watching me. And so he didn't want to be wronged, even though he was wrong.
0: Right. You, you get it? I and totally so get it.
2: Me, they put me together. And so, I mean, that's backhanded, but it was—it'd been many years later. So I didn't—I didn't hold
0: it against him. Right, you know. but but it's kind of like like you said—you brought up football. It's kind of like being in the referee's ear about a certain player. Yeah, all that's game what they do. all game it's, long, and then at the end of the game, you finally get the call that they were trying to get. So, um, it,
2: it's it's what they do, you know, when you look at it. So so here so here's here's a good one. So Shane hit right, okay. He's going to hate me for this one because he's probably listening to this thing. So, yeah, so Shane, So my okay, cool. So Shane, we go to Mount Morris, and I crash the third turn. I'm trying to get around the guy in second, and I crash going down those Ten Commandment things or something. Okay. And I jump off the bike, and the thing goes, I don't know, a long ways away from me. And I'm dead last. So I go get plugged back in. I jump back on it. And I work my way all the way back up to – I think I'm in fourth. Okay. maybe fourth or third i don't know and i'm you know i'm going pretty good and it comes down to the last lot, shane's right in front of me and so Shane, i'm gonna say he's in third and i'm in fourth and it's there's only a few turns left if i get around him and come down this big gnarly downhill and then there's this really steep uphill and i pass him and i wave to him <laughs> <laughs> and I beat him I mean I shouldn't beat him but I beat him right so so that's that year right okay so okay. he goes over and he's giving me some choice words about me running down the hill how goofy I looked and all that and I go I beat you did I he goes yeah so he was okay. he went too, he was kind of hot about it so yeah so so then the next year I got a bad start or something and I'm coming through the pack it's the same freaking corner there's Shane hit I thought oh my god so now I had passed him a different way I can't remember it's inside outside or vice versa so I pass him differently this time. And he thinks I'm going to pass him the same way I did the time before. Right, and, so, yeah. and I make a full block pass, I think is what it was. And then I do the I wave go to this hill, you can barely get up and I wave and like, oh shit, he's gonna be so pissed two years in a row. So I had to go like so fast the last five corners because he's gonna kill me and he's all over me and <laughs> I beat him and oh he was so
0: mad. Oh my uh, gosh. T- two He's, years
2: in a row, same corner.
0: Can you That's imagine? crazy. So you know how you, you can, um, work a guy throughout a race, right? Like you make them yeah. think you're going to take yeah. a certain line, and, but yeah. you did it the year earlier. <laughs> that's what Gary Denton does. He said, set, he sets him up a whole year in advance.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, it was, it was good. And, and we, we still laugh about
0: that stuff. You know,
2: that's we yeah, we could around on Facebook or whatever. It's just good yeah. stuff, good people. You know, when yeah. you look back on
0: it, that's awesome. And you in the in the previous little story you told us there, you talked about um, the MX and you were talking about TT at the time. So the series at the time was you know motocross and TT together, the GNC series. Did you sure. so? Did you have like a like a preference? We got a lot of questions about this. So did you have a preference, or did you did you feel like you it out on either of them because? Um, people asked if you had to race with a different mindset or whatever. And I guess I personally, I started on TT when I first started racing. And uh, I guess I almost wish I could have lived in that era because I love the thought of there being like, no doubt, you know, when you win a title back then you were the baddest man on an ATV period because yeah. you were, you had won in every condition. So just talk about that a little bit.
2: Well, it was tough because you had to have, we, you know, we just got to a point where we had to have two different bikes. So that was one thing. So when I switched from Suzuki to Honda, that was easier. But in 88, I rode Suzuki and TT and I rode Honda and, uh, in moto. Oh, wow. And, oh, yeah. My. And then, yeah. So because I thought it was a better TT bike and then Rodney Gentry went really fast and on the Honda. And I said, okay, well, if he can do it, then I got to set mine up like his and do the same thing. So okay, I did, I did, but. Um, I, I, TT for me was seemed to be easier to adapt to, uh, but moto, I was a motocrosser. So that was, I was natural to that too. So, um, you know, there were years where I had better TT years and there were other years where I had better moto years. So it just depends, you know, the racing changed when they went from Hoosier tires to the McCreary's. Okay. And pretty much, you didn't have to have a lot of chassis set up. And then, in the end, there were guys juicing tires. So the Mercurys, they were, and they got that technology from the sprint car drivers. Yep. So they juiced the tires, and what happens is the tires are like—I'll tell you what—it's
0: like glued to the asphalt. I know. I remember so, all these stories. Yes.
2: Okay. Well, well, you know. So where all that happened is the guys from, you know, up and. I don't know, up in Illinois and stuff.
0: I was they, just going to say
2: Illinois, it, Iowa, well, Missouri. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, Baker had those things move mm-hmm. right to the ground. And Henson telling right. me. And and Baker liked us. He, he, he'd he say, you know, he's, he's going in the corner and just kind of going right around the turn. I go, wait, I'm going 10 feet deeper in the corner. I'm coming off. I'm on the back of the seat. And he's all over me like I went in the corner slow. I, I can't do much more. He's going, you got to go faster. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so, so you know i it, what it was the bike was just glued to the track you know so it didn't matter and and it as you know when a bike's not not hooked up on the ground you, you're screwed so no. so yeah. i mean i could tell you one track i raced at challenger i lapped all the way up to third or fourth place oh, i mean wow. because the bike it was just glued i don't know why we could Perfect never that work, day. we could never replicate it
0: right yeah anyway,
2: anyway. and so Maybe that's what
0: made you so dominant too, was because you, you, the TT stuff came to you, but yeah. you had a motocross background because some guys were really good on TT and they had a harder time on the motocross and then vice versa. They were really good moto guy, but maybe they were too crazy or too rode too aggressively or whatever for TT. It's almost like right. a perfect combination.
2: Yeah. So it, it was for, I was fortunate with that, but, I uh I practice a lot. We have a place called Lake Del Mirage out here, so I would I would T T a lot before the events but and I think that was really important. Okay. Uh you know, but when I look back, I mean in ninety four when last when my last title I was really dominant. I think I won it was a ten race, ten series uh, event, you know, championship and I think I won six or seven of those events. So okay. pretty dominant, you know, but that was one that, that was uh you know, the next year I lost the title which would have been ninety five, but uh, you know, in 94, I, I won the Nationals. I uh, won the Mickey Thompson title all in the same year. Okay. And yep. I won Montreal. So that was pretty
0: cool. That was a dominant year then, of course. So you're, you're talking about all these guys, um, the guys you were racing with at the time, we got tons of questions about like, who would have been your main rivals or who are your toughest competitors. So, um, talk about that. Cause I know I'm sure they changed over the years there. Um, you know, you're racing different guys throughout those, you know, a span of all those years, but who stands out, I guess, to you, um, because we we've had guys on the show before that you've brought up your name a lot. So um, tell us kind of the guys that stood out to you as kind of the toughest competition for you.
2: It's, it's tough because some guys were better in TT and some guys are better in moto and And some guys were, and then some guys were better for a year or two and then they weren't as competitive i mean i mean i'm gonna give you some names i mean you got rodney gentry you know in the beginning you got i mean you got far you got banks you got mccarty you got gush you got shepherd you got bird you got tally got spader you got hit i mean and that's not all with those difficult years
0: and the crazy yeah. thing is, is like, there's so many different guys and eras that you just named in that yeah, little bit. Yeah. I mean, cause there's guys so, that well, raced for well, twenty years and then there was guys that were only around in, in those select years, you know?
2: Yeah. So, so that's very difficult to do, but, but I'll give you one. So when I look at it, uh, let's see, Natalie won titles and he was yep. there. Yep. Joe Bird was there. He won titles, but these were after, you know, I was, I was gone. Spader won titles and he, yep. I, you know, he was there racing me. Gus, same thing. He won title. So competitive guys, I mean, far, far won a title. He beat me, you know, and then he went on one more, but the reality right. is he was there for a bunch of those years. You know? So I, and I so, was going
0: to, I was going to say that, I mean, basically almost everybody that won a title in the two thousands until the, till the late two thousands. Were guys that you were still racing against because when we when we talked about them you know it was always i saw how gary denton did it i was always wanting to be like gary denton so even when denton was gone i still i saw how he performed i saw how he went about his business and i saw how i wanted to be so when those guys got a little older they were doing what you were doing to them yeah you know, 10 years earlier whatever the number is
2: yeah yeah there, there's there's things sometimes you know i play a lot of cat and mouse with the guys i mean i might be faster but but i might want to save my energy you know what i mean sure and yeah. you can you can you can just you know take a guy's heart out by by letting <laughs> him catch up to you for you know three laps and, and whittle down five seconds and then pull away by five seconds
0: oh that's you know, that, you, that's a backbreaker
2: Oh, you know, it, it you know, there, and I can tell you events where I should have won and had it completely wrapped up. I'm gonna call my mom for, you know, Mother's Day and say, Happy Mother's Day, mom, and five turns to the finish and the bike breaks. You know what I mean? So
0: there's yeah. stuff, you know. Of there's, course.
2: There's just stuff. You, you know, you, you, all you could do is try. Like I said, you got to have all of it. You know, luck has definitely got to be there. You're the people surround yourself, and, you know, you got to have skill naturally. And, um and you got to help that help from above I mean there's just no two ways about all you that
0: no and then that whole combination worked for you for so long so you came up short in 95 and I guess I don't know exactly when it ended for you but when did you when did you walk away well
2: 95 let's talk about that a little bit so yeah please Timmy Farr won the title and that's he deserved it You know, obviously I should have did better throughout the year. I I don't even remember the events because it's been so long ago. But uh, I can tell you, I I came close to winning that one too. Uh, I had, I got off like third place. I want to say second or third, worked up to, Spader was leading. I passed him just before the big table and I jumped into it and landed kind of on the face and there was, you know, on the upgrade of it. And there was a face of it and there was, it was a little muddy there. And we were going at pace because I just had passed them. And all of a sudden, the bike threw me sideways, like I augered it in the mud. And I crashed, got back up, and got seventh or sixth or tenth or so. I don't even know. Okay. And uh, the bike it flung me off the bike pretty good. Luckily, I didn't get hurt. So anyway, uh, after the event, I, I was walking the track, and I'm thinking, and i am I'm bummed because I realized that this is the last... Race the TT, and I don't know if I won or not, but I was in the points. I was leading the points, everything was good. And if I won the motor, then I'm, you know, the motocross race, I'm good. I mean, shape board, everything's good. But now I've gotten a sixth or an eighth or tenth. And if Timmy just gets a top three, he wins, you know. Yep. So I don't, so I'm looking at it going, man. And I went back and I told Henson, I said, you know, I think that front end locked up. Can, can you take the front wheel off? Take them both off. He did, and there was a bent spindle, so or a bent uh, rotor. So a rock got in there and locked it. But the point of the matter is that's not what cost me the title title was, I should have been better throughout the year. So it's okay. You, you can't win forever. That's just the, the way it is.
0: Of course. I mean, that's, and, that, and,
2: and, and that's not taking anything away from Timmy. That's giving him full props. Absolutely.
0: Right? You know, no, absolutely. I mean, nobody could take it any other way that you're giving him credit, but you had been on, on the. Uh, you had done it for so long. You had seen what it takes for so long. I'm sure like, It was, it was nothing, but uh, you just wanted to congratulate the guy. Like he was the one, he was the one to finally break the streak, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So then you got into some other forms of racing after the ATV days were over. Did you not like some, some truck racing and stuff, right?
2: Well, actually I didn't, I got into that during during the A T V days. So what oh, happened? Okay. I, I and I got a kind of a cool dirt thing for you. So so I raced I raced the LA Coliseum on you know supercross there. So I yep. jumped down the peristyle on a dirt bike. I jumped down the peristyle on a quad. Okay. And I jumped down the peristyle on a Grand National Sport truck, stadium truck. Really? Yeah. So that's kind of a cool little you know, feedback there, or, you know, that little, is. Little, little stat, and I'll tell you what's gnarly, the the, the quad, the dirt bike, you can see what you're going to land on, and in the truck, you see nothing, you got the hood, you you don't even know where you're going to land, I mean, Sure, it's, yep. it's really frightening to jump that thing, and I got Rick Johnson with I don't know, twenty inches of travel. I got like twelve in my truck. I was driving an old beater truck. There's a dent. Get out of my way. We're laughing. I go. You got all that good. I'm going as fast as I go. But uh, I almost, I almost didn't continue racing quads. I almost went on and did the stadium truck thing because I, I felt like I was getting older and I felt like I could make money and was going to go into that. But um, I ended up, I ended up not doing it because they pulled the plug on the team. I had a, about a $300,000 budget lined up with sponsors on people. So I almost didn't, uh, you know, chase the nationals anymore at all. So oh, wow. it was real quick. Yeah. So that could, that have been, that would have been horrid because they, they, you know, surely thereafter they ended, you know, Mickey Thompson
0: events. Right. Yeah. So that, that is crazy. Um, yeah, that the somebody was looking out for you there, like you said, you had so many times where the man upstairs was kind of uh, you know, d- d- paving the way for you, or however you want to say it. But you, he had uh, he had his kind of arm around you, um, kept you in yes. the sport. So obviously, we're grateful Absolutely. for that.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, so I mean. And I guess you, you're starting to talk about the transition out of, you know, the racing part. I mean, so did you, I, I guess I like to ask guys this, but did you know when it was over or what was the, the, what, what made you hang up
2: your boots? Well, it's kind of funny and I'll tell you kind of what happened. So, so I'm I'm in, I'm at, I gotta remember that name of that track. It's down in Rio Vista, Cleburne. And I'm trying to remember Wolf Creek. Okay. I hated this track. And and the reason why I hated it it had these peak jumps and you land out on flat dirt and it was just you know middle of the field out in Texas and okay and uh, and Ted was a guy that owned the place I forget his last name him and I bumped heads a few times because I I thought the track wasn't safe in some manners but
1: okay.
2: I, I wanted I wanted it safe for the amateurs I always thought safety was first thing for whoever, whoever was riding the track of course and so anyway but. But I'm standing there looking at this triple jump in it, and you know, with, they had it to race on moto each day—moto Saturday, moto Sunday. And my hands are blistered, and I'm going wow, you know. And I'm looking at this jump, and maybe they had a two-day both in the same day. I don't know, but anyway. And I'd always walk the track about a half hour before we race, and I'm going as hot as the Dickens, and I'm looking at this jump, and it's real peak—the third, the third jump—and I go, man, and it was bumpy the face of the takeoff, and I'm going, you know, if I don't make this jump man it's you know I'm gonna die it's gonna say you know what it'll say it'll say tomorrow in the paper here man dies racing ATV and Phil that's all it's gonna say man dies right, right yeah and so oh so God. I thought you know what I'm the guy and I'm sitting here thinking like this I need to I need to get I need to find a new job and I always knew there'd be a business side so the guy that sponsored me from weekend warrior trailers he gave me a trailer we would become buddies we play racquetball together all the time and okay uh he he offered me a job and i transitioned out and i went into rv manufacturing we built toy haulers and it was a little small company they were doing about i don't know three million a year um i took him which is not much three million is nothing because they're high ticket items so Mm -hmm. uh, he was really hand-to-mouth business and but he'd had the company for like eight years so i took him from three million to seven uh with just some marketing ideas and I had a knack for that with the dealers. I, 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 I like talking to people. So yeah, um, I was able to take us from three to seven and move from 7 million to 240 million
0: at the height. Oh hike. my goodness. So, yeah, so. I, and I, I do remember that a little bit because um, I remember weekend warrior having some involvement with the races and, and seeing that uh, at the time.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. So that's what was really cool. Cause we were able to do some really cool stuff. So we were able to sponsor all the GNC events uh, and we gave away, um, we gave away a trailer. So okay. they put their name in the hat if they won an event, uh, maybe it was sign up. I can't remember how we did it exactly. And at the end of the year, somebody won a weekend warrior trailer. So that was cool. So we got that to get back great. there. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then GNCC, um, uh, we sponsored their events and we, you know, get, uh, bought uh, Rita Coombs, uh, uh, gave her a, a motorhome. We got a, Really cool motorhome called a road warrior. I think I last I heard Ria he uses it to this day and loves it. So that was cool. Um, we sponsored all the Supercrosses. we gave it uh, coach to the top driver tier. So we did that. So oh, we were cool involved and we responded. Yeah, it was cool. We were sponsoring NASCAR drivers and all the top motocross guys and McGrath and you know, it went on forever. I mean, it, it was just cool being involved.
0: That's very um, cool, just because you yeah. were still doing more for the sport, even when you weren't there as a rider anymore.
2: Well, it was, it was it was my passion, and the owner had passion in the same manner due to the fact that, you know, I would let him, you know, not let him, uh, you know, tell him the stories and stuff. And so he was engaged, and, and yeah. uh, you know, Mark and I had a lot of fun doing it, so it, it was cool.
0: That's very cool. And just in general, you know, I have to say that, um, it's one of my favorite things about you because some people, when they walk away, they, they truly cut the cord. And with you, I mean, you're still like, to this day, like you're always posting old racing, you know, photos from the racing days. And then you had Denton racing that kept you on the ATV site you know, in the, in the, in in the days, in the time after your racing career, like you just said, weekend warrior, all these things. Um, I just, I love that about you because when it's in your blood and you truly love it, like we do, it's nearly impossible to let go.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, off-roading in general is in my blood and you know, whatever, whether it's ATVing or dirt biking or, you know, whatever side by side, doesn't matter. It's just all cool. You know. that's
0: that's awesome and i guess i i before we you know we're getting kind of to the end of this thing but uh sure. i want to be able to talk about you being up for um hall of fame induction and okay. uh this is something that has been going on for the people that are inside of the atb motocross community this is something that we know um people are really lobbying for. So can, can you give us any insight into that? On if, uh, you know, is this going well, to well, happen?
2: Well, the, well, I don't really know. I like, you know, here's the thing. I'm honored first off just
0: to be, to be
2: acknowledged. And let's so give that's, that's really it, cool. I should
0: have, I should have touched on that. I mean, no ATV rider has ever been inducted before.
2: Right. No. So I would be the first to be inducted. The Coombs family's pushing for it. Racer X magazine uh davy his mom rita carrie joe timmy all of them uh big Dave was a big supporter of mine i uh, love the guy and miss him dearly uh tom white uh, just passed away white brothers fame uh he was on you know he's on the board he really wanted to be in there and he's an old friend and godspeed love him and, and miss him too um but so i don't know there's some great people behind it and am i going to get in i don't know i'm on the board uh, you know i mean i'm on the ballot so i'm at, I'm acknowledged. And that's cool. That's how so, I look at that.
0: And and how can my listeners who are going to be captivated by what they're listening here, listening to, listening to your conversation, listening to your racing story, how can they impact the, how can they impact this thing?
2: You know, I don't know the rules. I, I think it has to be past people. And I think it's a committee and, and they have to acknowledge that, how Davey put it to me is, he says, look, at you're the Ricky Carmichael of ATV racing. How can you not be in there? You're AMA. You should be. That's his thoughts. Yep. And I appreciate those thoughts. Uh, the AMA has to just, you know, they have to adopt it and say, okay, you're in, I guess. I mean, uh, I love the AMA. You know, Roy Jansen's a big supporter. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I really, really don't know. I know there's a committee, and I don't know how you're able to vote.
0: Okay. I wonder, I do, I think, I think, I think that um, the general person does have maybe some sort of small say, or maybe they have a percentage or something like that, because uh-huh. I just remember them you know, kind of trying to get the ETV community together and behind, you know, our kind of our quad father that you are. Um, So I I wonder, I'll have to look into that more and I can post about it on my social media, but um, if nothing else, we need to keep banging on the door of these people (laughs) that, that we need to get Gary Denton in there. So I do think it's inevitable. I do think it's something that's going to happen. We kind of had talked, you know, I mean, the Coombs family, they're going to, they're going to do everything they can to kind of, to, to, to make this thing happen. They're behind it a hundred percent. So, um, we just, uh, we needed to be able to talk about that a little bit. It's only right that the first ATV guy to get in is you, and hopefully you're kind of paving the way for everybody, you know, kind of behind you, the other greats, um, like you did in so many ways in this sport so um so yeah we just needed to needed to comment about that no Uh, thank you cody i appreciate that really do yeah so how closely gary do you follow the sport um of atv racing today have you been tuned in as you know as chad weenan's winning six championships in eight years and now joel hetrick's won multiple titles in the in the last few years so do you follow it somewhat to this day yeah
2: yeah i do i when i get to see it on tv i love watching it the guys are incredible I mean they're they're going rocket fast um, I'm a big supporter of theirs as I told you I I was you know I mentioned that on Mex that uh, that those guys match times are the best in the world in moto uh, at the same track same day yep. um, and i I love what they're doing the guys are they're incredible athletes they're super fast they're riding top field dragsters I'm going to call them the rocket ships right and and they're able to stay on them and that in itself is difficult and they ride it like it's nothing so they're they're incredible athletes and i love watching them i love watching the races i i I just think it's cool and it's either winning or tetrick and and you get brown in there once in a while and rostelli and uh i think they're all great you know
0: yeah that's very cool and i know that uh, there's a lot of things i think you see in chad's program that um you know, is very similar to yours, just, uh, you know, it's just years later. So that's very cool too. Um, so last question before I let you go and there's, you know, you talked about the pulp stuff a little bit, we commented a little bit, but, um, there's been a ton of this ATV, you know, versus MX talk recently. So tell me Gary, because so many people have been saying Coming, I guess, specifically from pulp, but there's so many people saying that ATVs are just like easier to ride. Um, My belief, and, and you can obviously, we can listen to how this conversation went here, but my belief is that you were just a great bike rider and an even better ATV rider where do you stand on this kind of stamp this thing? Because I've wanted to get you on the show for, you know, for the year that we've had this podcast, you kind of, it all came together. You gave us your time. And now you're coming on as these talks are kind of just simmering down. So where do you fall on this? I, I'm going to, I'm going to give, you an,
2: I'm a, I'm gonna go give an analogy. Okay. So, okay. so here's the reality if you think about it, there's a heck of a lot more to garner out of a dirt bike because of the monies that are paid to them through the factories. There's no factor involvement in quad racing, right? So, so no. it's not a fair analogy in many ways due to that fact. And so when I look at it, uh, you don't know, and I've said this, i the show, I think today, but if you look at, if you look at winning or Hedrick, how do you know that it couldn't got on a dirt bike and won national titles? We don't. You know, we just don't know. I mean, if they had chosen that path, so does that make them less or more talented? We don't know. Okay, so that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, uh, look at the lap times in Ironman. They match the motor guys. You know, lap time for lap time. Now they're different machines, but that's, that, that that proves that they're incredible athletes. Um, I it was when I look back at my career, uh, could I win won national title on a motocross bike? I believe so, but I did a work. But I never got the yep. opportunity. So, yep. so, you know, there you go. But if I'd have rode only quads, and nobody had known that I had that ability for moto either, right? So right yeah yeah you know you really just don't
0: know these things so uh, I think they're both
2: great I think they're both great athletes so you know it's it's a toss-up that's how I look at it
0: yeah you so perfectly embodied my argument the whole time and you talked about it in your story that um you were on the cusp of having one of those works rides and then who knows what your path could have been you could (laughs) have made it in the dirt bike side of things but what my argument had been the whole time was when Steve says that the that the those top motor cross guys are are so talented and they're capable of anything he's talking about the top atv guys too they fit in that same mold he just doesn't know it the the guys you just talked about the weenens the Hetricks, the browns the Restrelli's, so on and so forth those top tier guys are just as talented they're just atv riders instead of motocross riders right so, absolutely so that's,
2: that's that's how I look at that. I yep. I, I think they both have extreme talents and extreme extreme abilities. Um
0: and I love both sports. That's yeah. it, you know. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh you're just such a great ambassador for A T V racing and so many people are going to have just a whole new appreciation for you and your career after this. And I'm so excited about that. Um, You know, you're, you're the, you're the man and nobody would know about this, this ATV motocross talk uh, more than you. So it's just so awesome to hear from you. Um, Do you have any parting words for all your fans out there?
2: uh i'm
0: glad i still got them if i got some <laughs> oh they're out there they're out there trust me i've gotten i've gotten countless messages for yeah. months and months and months yeah. months, and months, and months, and months and months wanting to hear from you so they're definitely yeah. out there
2: well no i appreciate that i i like i said the fans in the past have been great to me i still you know on facebook or instagram i get some really nice posts i get some photos i mean i got a picture of steve and pulp when he was 14, picking us up, you know, him and I hanging out. I mean, I saw that in Winnipeg. I mean, it's so cool. And there's a picture of me and Doug Democas. I mean, you know, Godspeed Doug, he passed away, but uh, that Willie King, I mean, this is cool stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, So no, I've had a blessed life. I mean, I had a motocross career, I had an ATV career and I have an RV career. So I'm very fortunate.
0: Yeah. That's so, so cool. And man, eight consecutive titles that, Probably will never happen again in our sport. Like you said, it barely happens in any sport. You're a legend, and I'm so glad to be able to uh, get you on here, share your story. For the people who still hold you, um, you know, there's tons of them that still hold you in the highest regard. And then the the younger people who knew your name but not your story, now they do. So this is awesome. I can't thank you enough for your time tonight, Gary. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, we'll talk again soon. It's been an absolute honor to have you.
2: Thank you, Cody. I really appreciate you
0: having me on. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Take care. All right, buddy. What a story. Some people call him the goat. Others call him the quad father. We are so grateful to call Gary Denton, a friend of the show. A major thanks goes out to him for his time and willingness to join us. I'm excited to help make him more relevant to the younger ATV fans. And we know he is still beloved by so many. Thank you again to the eight time champ, Gary Denton, for joining us. Thanks as well to my producer, my brother, Dallas, who always finds time to fit the podcast into his busy schedule. Thanks, Dallas. Couldn't do it without you. And my better half, Brooke, who always is thinking on behalf of the podcast, just like the rest of us. Thanks, as always, to her. Thanks to our sponsors, of course, CST Tires, Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI Decals, D.I.D. Racing Chain, Numera Technologies, Wienan Motorsports, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, 4 Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Blender's Eyewear, Mountaineer Brand, Avocado Green Mattress, Roman Health, Factory 43, Bikes, Trikes and Quads LLC, Oats Overnight, and this one makes us want to scream from the rooftops with pride. Thank you to Wiener Motorsports for partnering with us. Support the brands that support our show and don't forget to use those codes to save. You can find all of our episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links and discount codes, our show merchandise, and more all on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com. So check that out. Today, the show is available to anyone and everyone, whether on diggingdeepatvmx.com or you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Basically, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep Atvmx podcast. Show your support for the number one podcast in ATV Racing by wearing our apparel, as I mentioned. You know all about our shirts, but now we have sick looking hoodies as well. Purchase on our website today with all proceeds going directly towards constant growth and improvement of the show. Thanks for all the support there. They've been selling like crazy. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to donate via Patreon if it suits you. Simply visit our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, and click the support on Patreon button. This contribution will help prompt continued growth and improvements of the show, and perks will be available to those who contribute, including hearing your name on the show. We greatly appreciate the support. And don't forget about your way to be a part of every show via our voicemail line. Whether you have questions, topic suggestions, business inquiries, a rant, or something you just want to get off your chest, call us and leave us a voicemail anytime at 920-569-3519. That's 920-569-3519. Thanks for that. Follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional behind-the-scenes content and up-to-the-moment breaking news during this crazy time. But for now, we can look forward to finally going racing. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, social distance, and keep that support coming while we keep the fire content coming as well. We'll keep providing content as high-quality listening material is more in-demand than ever before. You know I love the screenshots showing that you're listening, so send those in and I promise to keep sharing them. It's a simple and effective way to help spread the word. So please, subscribe to the show, give us a rating, tell your friends, share our posts, wear our shirts and hoodies. It all helps spread word about the show while growing the sport that we love. With that... For Gary Denton, Dallas Jansen, Brooke Catherine, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen, thanks for listening to the number one podcast in ATV racing, a million downloads and counting. Until next time, thanks for joining us and digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. Those guys were
1: hauling ass for real. I remember watching Doug Gus. I don't know who it was. Steel city running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then at steel city. I, I, I would need to check this out. I, I, I'm dead serious. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. It's not easy, Steve. It's not easy. Listen, JB. <laughs> I don't no, want to hear. <laughs> it's not easy. I don't want to hear. Quadlers are freaking nice.
3: You don't like too big red. The- what the Like, <laughs>